0: Welcome to another week of TCP. It's episode 211.
1: And you're probably wondering why I'm wearing sunglasses indoors right now. It's because I've been playing Microsoft Flight Simulator. So I'm just trying to play the... No, I actually have not been uh, doing any of that. What I did actually do is I got new eyes. Brand new eyes. Um, Have you guys ever seen the movie Thor? Was it Thor or was it one of the Avengers movies? And Chris Hemsworth thought he got a new eye... Um, Got given it by Rocket Raccoon. who's got just slotted it right in. That's what I did. I have two of those brand new eyes. And mm. um, I didn't want to scare people too much with my new look. And so I thought the, the, the best thing to do would be to ease people in to the look by still wearing some form of glasses. But I'm not going to wear my old glasses because those have like focus lens. I'm not going to ruin my eyes after I just fix them. So, um, yeah, we we, we start the, the podcast with me on sunglasses. I'll take them off now. Because I, w- I want, to be able to see things. It's actually nighttime where I am, so it's, it's even more weird uh, for me to be doing this. So things, it's like, uh, let's let's make things darker than it already is. But um, that was my week. I spent the last week uh, getting surgery. That was fun. How you guys doing?
2: Nice. Out well, of interest. Well, out of interest. What would a uh, Monkey Kyoshirin Gun cost you? You're gonna have to say that again. I didn't understand what you just said. <laughs> what? Did you watch? Did you watch Naruto? Naruto?
1: No, I'm watching Attack on Titan. Right, okay. No, you're a man character. of culture. We're currently watching. Who the hell is watching Naruto right now? What are you talking about? No, not right Naruto.
2: now. Did you ever?
1: Uh, I never really got into it. I'm not going right. to lie to you. That's one of those, it's one of those things I never truly got into. And by the time I felt like getting into it, it was too overwhelming yeah. too intimidating. I was like, would you like to watch 200 seasons of Naruto? I'm like, sounds like a lot. Huh, not yeah.
3: sure that I do. Yeah. It's a lot. Most of it's not good. Let's face it. (laughs) It really isn't. But some of it is. Some of it is. Some of it is very good.
2: I can tell you.
1: I couldn't tell you. I've also never played a Final Fantasy game. What else haven't I done?
2: Same. Uh, Have you played Resident Evil? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Only the remakes,
2: though. Have you played Uh, Zelda games?
1: Nope. That's another one. Never there played a Zelda go. game. Yeah, same. includes Breath of the Wild. Never touch Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I don't have a Switch. Sue me. I don't have a Switch. What do you want me to do? No console, no Switch.
2: Yeah, yeah. Here's
0: one. Have
1: you
2: have ever played?
0: It's not on F-
2: F- have you ever played what? a COD
1: game? I've played nearly all the COD games. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, the only ones I haven't played. Uh, I'm dude. I'm an FPS gamer. How could I not have played COD games? It's right up my alley. Um, the first three Cod's before COD 4 I did not play and I think Ghost I did not play in World War 2 I did not play Ghost because I just unanimously heard it was rubbish and World War 2 because I have no interest in period based shooters um, Which, and speaking of which I, I I don't know why I've done this to myself I own Vanguard it's on my Battle.net account I I can boot it up anytime I want including right now mm-hmm. but I've still not done that and the game's been wow. out since November yeah. I have Vanguard I own it I just I've not played it yet don't know
2: why. I'll get to it. I will get to it. But yeah, I I also have n- played like I missed out on a bunch of like big franchises. I've never played a Zelda game. I've never played a uh, really um a Resident Evil game. I have never played a Far Cry. I've never played a Ooh. um what are these Bethesda? Is it a Bethesda game? That Fallout. I've, I've never played a Fallout. I've actually never played a Fallout game either.
3: Played New Vegas, crazy, right? New Vegas was fun.
1: I own three and New Vegas. It's on my Steam account right now. By the time I got them, it was like, you know, it was like five, ten years after the fact mm. that the release. I'm like, how keen am I on to play a super old game? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe tell me, do they stand the test of time? Maybe they do. Maybe I, maybe I should actually leave a comment down it. below. Do, does does do Fallout Three and New Vegas stand the test of time? If you were to boot it up again now and you remove the rose tint, here we go. You Imagine these are rose tinted You remove the rose tinted glasses Does the game actually hold up like way down the line mm. um, My list of games Right now is actually pretty long because I've still got As I said Vanguard, I got a war that I Said I was going to play and I still haven't yet um, I was going to start streaming it but then I got eye surgery so I was like You know what I probably shouldn't encourage myself To be in front of a computer screen for Too long I might just take it easy for a, a week or so uh, Just add to my list of excuses As to why I haven't returned to streaming yet I'll get there <laughs> Um, yeah, Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake, especially 2. I I do highly recommend it, yes, okay. Uh, if you if you just if you are just gonna play one Resident Evil game right now, I would probably the one I would suggest is Resident Evil 2 remake, unless you're like very keen on the new Resident Evils, in which case you can play Village, Mm -hmm. which is reasonable, which is pretty good. I play Village, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if you like the, the the quintessential Resident Evil experience as it was in the 90s is best encapsulated in the in the number two remake, which is I think my favorite game of the entire series, having only played maybe three out of the however many games of the entire series. Yeah. So that opinion probably doesn't hold a lot of water. But I know a lot of people agree with that. They also think remake two is the best.
2: Yeah. Have you guys played ever, ever played a FIFA?
1: Not willingly. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: no, that's so, like, You can't be a German child and not have played FIFA at some friend's house yeah. at some point. But Yeah.
3: imagine it's like Madden here. Yeah. 2K.
1: I've never played Madden. No. Yeah. I watched a friend play Madden once and, and it was so complicated, with all the different tactics and like formations and like, dude, I, f- I feel like I need to go through an undergraduate degree to even get prepared to play this game, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can get kind of wild.
0: Okay, it's the time to talk about
1: the thing we actually want to talk about. Mm. Mm. the latest attack on Titan episode <laughs>
3: true
0: which I know
1: I will
3: say yeah, i did and i know I know some people in the comments you know, spoiler warning from here moving forward, we yep. may discuss spoilers approach at your own risk yep um how long give it give it for, for Roughly how long, so they can skip ahead? I'll raise, I'll keep my hand up for as long as we're talking about Attack on Titan. So if you, if you, yeah, but what need... if they're
1: listening? What if they're like on Spotify only? And they can't see
2: your raised hand.
3: Yo, I'll set a timer. Here we go. I'll set a timer. You know what? You're right. Yo,
2: Joe is about to turn into one of these yogis. You know these guys how? that keep their hand up their entire life, and it's just
1: how, like and how spoilers. This I've I've actually done a great job of avoiding spoilers.
3: Yeah, you have.
1: How spoiler I... territory are you about to get into?
3: I there's one scene in particular cuz I just ended up watching the uh, most recent episode yeah. um that like kind of bugged me cuz I felt like it was oh, too it was too um uh it was too pulled from the manga if that makes sense. Okay, let me nah.
1: let me let me do it like this. Let me do it like this. Um we obviously have timestamps on this. Oh, I mean, that's mainly for the YouTube viewers.
2: So, do you want to set a ten-minute timer? I mean,
3: a I can 10 set it. Set I mean, we're timer. on this for ten minutes. I think you we got
2: set
1: issues. It, set it. Just set, I'll set a ten-minute time 10 time anyway. timer. Yeah, and then if you are, if you, if you are serious about avoiding spoilers, skip ahead ten minutes. You, you, you tell us when. Joe, you do it. You say when, and, we'll, okay. and then that's the point. You skip ten minutes forward. From. All right,
3: ready. Ten minutes from here
1: all right go spoilers now spoil things if you're Big still here you're about to be spoiled <laughs> so <laughs> you've I, been warned
3: i was like not happy with how they did Aaron at the end of this episode Why? see we okay. know it's supposed to happen yeah but like it felt like it was just too it was it was just shot for shot from the manga and i think you could probably improve that with the visual medium that is like animation like i would have loved it if like mm -hmm. in this scene aaron's you know trying to run he escapes the the attack titan, he's running to zeke and they have to touch to go to the past whatever right and like we know gabby's supposed to fucking dome this kid right just fucking rip his head off boom headshot mom get the camera you know the vibes right yes why do we have to like have this big like lead up into it why can't it just happen and then everybody reacts like oh my god that shit just happened like i feel like the reveal like yeah i get it the manga's been out everybody probably already knows but like just for those who don't i feel like that experience is just so like bl- not even blue it's just like it just it's just a ruined orgasm really why? I think so. I feel like it's just Why? so like because it's such a, it's such an obvious lead up. It's just like oh my god, the world time stops. It's like that kind of cliche of like there's such an important moment oh. in everything <laughs> stops for a second, uh, and it's just his head okay, flying so in the air, you, and it's just you like, didn't
2: like the instant. Yeah, I can see that. I would have maybe like it looks like he gets it, and it's like all oh, and you're thinking like okay, he's about to touch <clears throat> it, and now we're going ham, and the like the rumbling happens and everything, mm. but. They actually put her in the middle of the screen and you know, what's about to happen with that big ass gun instead of his head yeah, being yes, chopped off yes, first and yes. then cutting to the,
3: yes, exactly to her. I want to see I, him I agree. running seamlessly. Boom, head off. Like, Oh my God, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah, I agree. Right, why does there have to be so such what, a big lead up? I agree. So what, what
1: I'm trying to figure this out. So there was, you're talking about how they, slowed everything down and you looked at everyone's reactions and then they did the shot yes and you you would have preferred it if they just he just ran they did the shot and then they slowed everything down did all that
3: yeah almost not even like recapping it but just like pausing time in the moment that like you're trying to process it
1: i think from a cinema standpoint i think they handled it quite well i to me I had the opposite reaction to you. I I hmm. drained my nuts to that scene. No, I um <laughs> I no, that's not true either. I I no, I one of my testicles was drained. The other one was I I kept okay. some I kept some left because um I'm a manga reader and I know what's coming. So you know I'm not gonna <laughs> okay. yeah. I'm not gonna blow the full load just yet. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I felt like it was handled gracefully as someone that actually knew what was coming. And it's hard for me to say because I'm not someone that is an anime only watcher that would experience it for the first time and would be able to comment from that perspective. I can only comment from the perspective of already yeah. knowing what was going to happen. Mm. Um, but I, I, I feel like it was handled well. I mean I could see the way you're trying to describe it and that that could be interesting. But that would also be like a huge just boom, just drop the mic slap in your face put yeah, yeah. a bit more lead up to it. I feel like the lead up was good because it 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 had the necessary foreplay to get me to where I needed to be.
2: Now I think Fair. I think Joe, what we knowing the manga, right?
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: I think there's an argument to be made that you don't want to make too big of a deal of the, out of that scene, because as we talked about before, it somehow defies some of the logic that was po- uh, pointed out, so yeah. you would probably feel like, okay, this is like a post-ex Machina type of bullshit situation, mm-hmm. where like, if you really blow this up, and you didn't know the Amanda existed, or whatever, you would be going like, okay, they... They drafted the story up on this and went like, oh god, we gotta get one for the next week and then invented like an absolute bullshit reason why this happens the way it happens, right? Mm. And, um, now you're feeling completely fucked. I can see an argument for that. It definitely decreases the enjoyment of the moment for me, yeah. but it also probably would decrease the amount of bullshit meter that a person that has never read the anime would have experienced.
3: E- so you're saying the buildup makes like the this eventual payoff. Also, we're approaching five minutes here. Um, so you're saying the buildup in that scene decreases the decreases the like the head scratching factor of like the immediate next like okay. thing once they exit here, the path.
2: Here, here's here's the problem. Okay, we're we're about to we we're going leak le- like uh sorry spoiler level two now. Okay. We we had okay. spoiler level level one for the show watchers. Oh god! Now we got go to spoiler say, level two manga, manga spoiler. Yeah. So, spoiler yeah. level
1: two. Skip the next five minutes if you don't want to spoil it.
2: So if you <laughs> have watched the last episode but haven't read the manga, that now is where, where your time will cut off. You have five minutes. Oh god! So
1: in, in, now uh, <laughs> I'm gonna play. and and then in five seconds you have to get off this and come back in five minutes. Five, four. Three, two, one. Okay, yes, you go for it. Jesus Christ. So
2: imagine you make the center point of that uh, situation that Eren's head is chopped off and he's now fucking dead, right? Mm. And all that happens is, like, he gives a little bit of blood to Zeke and therefore he has, like, the fucking Omega Titan access. Founding Titan fucking, like, Transformer hyper bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the next episode, after you've digested that, they're like, Omega-lul, actually not true. Actually, like, fucking thing grows back. We're now hyper, like, immortal, right? Mm. That would feel bullshit, Mm. I think, to someone that hasn't read the manga there at that point. Because I don't think they will have more time to establish the logic than the manga had. Why that is now possible? Sure. Let's be honest. Like by the established rules of the manga, the only thing that once Zeke and fucking Aaron start kissy kissy, the only thing that keeps them from being immortal is the fucking seven uh seven year timer. Everything else, they can now fuck the world and be immortal forever because for all we know, they could literally vaporize to the atom and they would grow back, right?
3: I just I, I just don't know why. Or if even you're arguing that like the scene needed to be that long to make it less bullshit? Am I, am I trying? Yeah. Because like, you're now,
2: now the, the focus was sort of like on what's, what's her name? Um, Ymir or Gabby? Gabby. On Gabby, okay. like big ass gun. Oh my God. Yeah. She does it again. Fucking Omega Sniper Lul. Like <laughs> shot head off, clean off. By the way, that twist is fucking <laughs> weird. No gun would do that.
3: Um, like it's like an it's, anti-tank gun, bro. Also, yeah, no, why, no, how does a kid why operate the, that? Why but... the
2: fuck would the head spin off? Because it looks good. Yeah, and it
3: looks right. fucking sick.
2: So, But, like, now it isn't really about the decapitation as much as about the moment has a build-up. And it's like, the importance of the moment is... Two minutes? Uh, two minutes. The, the importance of the moment is less focused on that, oh my fucking god and more so like oh my god she's also part of the picture she kind of saved her people that way yes so eventually it's just like well girl i'm sorry but you're up against literal gods you kind of fucked right yeah i nearly did
1: it
3: because there's a world where
1: like it it was a world where like i don't know the head doesn't get caught and that's it and it just ends like boom
3: was (laughs) there ever was was there ever ever really a world I don't know. You've, I'm, we've saying all seen hypothet- the
1: I'm saying hypothetically, in oh, like no, just in in like a real world sense, is if, Yes, if we can even like rack our brains around that, I, I think you guys are reading into it a little much. I think it was more they weren't they. I, in my opinion, MAPA Studio, who, who obviously uh, animated the whole thing, weren't mm. thinking about it from a perspective of like, oh yeah, well, what makes the most sense in terms of a payoff, and more from the sense of like, how do we. What's a cool artistic way to show this in terms of, oh, sure. like, what's what's like the the coolest way to interpret the manga in an artistic sense for a show? And I, from that perspective, I think they nailed it. I think like it gave me everything I wanted. Um, it it was a great lead again because I I also knew it was coming, so it was different yeah. for me. Whereas I think for everyone else, but then again, for everyone else as well, they didn't expect the twist. They were just expecting. Okay, well, this is the mo- this is the big moment we're waiting for. They're finally going to touch and mm. do the thing, and it's a it's a, it's a lot of build up to get to that point of where they're going to touch, and then the twist happens, and now, now it's about something different. Now it's like, wait, what what just happened? And the build ups now about like well, what's going to happen to them? Is yeah. its it is it is it gonna still work? Is he dead? Dead? Like what what does mm. this mean? And um, yeah, I mean, I remember that was a huge moment in the manga as well. I remember when the manga. This is why it last episode and I said
3: and we're out of time
1: okay but what I'm about to say now is non-spoilerish because okay. I'm what i I actually talk about something I said last week last week I said that this week's episode that we just got was gonna mm. have the most bullshit cliffhanger oh, sure. ending ever Yeah, and the reason why I said that is because the big moment which I'm not gonna go into detail about anymore that happened this episode that was the ending of the manga chapter yeah when we got there cuz i actually re, we i a revisit that manga chapter and i'm like i want to i want to sort of do a bit of comparison for myself anyway and at the end the big moment happens and then boom it just stops and i'm like oh great i got to wait a whole month now mm-hmm. I, it's not you wait one week you wait a fucking month before that next
3: chapter update um i was certain that was going to be the end of the episode i was like and this is th- it
1: that's what i'm saying as well yeah. like I, I thought that big moment that i'd been wait that everyone all the manga readers would have been waiting for to mm. me, it was like, based on the pacing of some of these episodes so far, I expect that to be the ending, and mm. I expect for a lot of people to be frustrated that, that that is like, how crazy of a cliffhanger it would have been, because it would have mm. been the most wild cliffhanger there. there To this point, this has been possible on the show. I don't think it'd be possible to have a bigger cliffhanger than that, based on what we've seen so far. Yeah. And that, to me, it would have been like, well, now you get to feel how all the margaritas felt, <laughs> when they got that cliffhanger ending in the actual chapter itself. Which mm. Insane. I remember reading that chapter my mind was blown and i was thinking like well what does this mean now because like everything yeah. nothing makes sense anymore everything's just like if everything just completely my brain's melted and you know my head's exploded it's just mm-hmm. like i've been decapitated it's, it's, it's ridiculous it's like i don't even understand what's happening anymore
2: are we now, past uh spoiler
1: timer
3: yeah, oh, yeah we're sports, well past okay. We're right. well past Yeah, I remember. I remember talking to Kenobi about it as that chapter was coming out, and we're both like, "Bro, I don't know how he's gonna wrap this up. Like, there's just no way. There's, I don't know. I don't know what this means, but there's no way he can get this done. This is just, this is too wild."
1: (laughs) Yeah, I will say though, I'm very pleased by the pacing now because I thought the pacing was gonna be slow and they were gonna milk it a bit more. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Bro, how are they gonna get this entire season done in 12 episodes?" Yeah, we're now three episodes in. And the pacing is fast enough that I can actually see them finishing yeah. the whole yeah. show in twelve. The next nine episodes, I'm like, it's doable now. Yeah. Because um, they they've they're doing more. They are they are putting more than one chapter in a single episode now. Somehow. Yeah. In a twenty minute episode, they are revealing more than what you got in a, a full chapter in in the manga. So I'm like, okay, well, based on that, they can definitely finish. Um, so that's actually quite exciting. I think the next I put out a tweet, the next two episodes for people that are not manga readers who have been faithfully following the anime and, and waiting and haven't been spoiled. bro? You're going to, you're not ready. It's there. Yeah, yeah. It is going to be, I think I, I mean, if you there. thought the last episode, if you thought the last, if you, well, you're going to enjoy it. If you thought the last episode was mind blowing, you're about to have your mind double blown because mm, everything that's about to happen in the next two episodes, I feel like is the big reveal, not for the season but before the entire show yeah. start to finish. Like, Everything in the show from episode one to now to the eventual end is to me, what I say fully explained, I don't know if I say fully explained, but it's it's finally contextualized Mm -hmm. in the sense that you will finish the next two episodes and be like, aha, now I understand why everything in the show is the way it is.
3: I think that's the beauty to me of Attack on Titan, not to not to completely make this an Attack on Titan podcast, but it seems like people kind of like it. So we'll we'll riff a little bit. Um I love uh, Isayama. Joe, I, don't,
1: Joe I, I like it, so that, that doesn't matter. Fair enough. I've stopped it. caring. I've stopped caring about what other people like. It's just why I like it or not.
3: <laughs> I, I love Isayama's foreshadowing. From start to finish, he does not show you something that isn't explained or like contextualized in some facet and most of the time it's more than you could even imagine right like there there are motifs and themes that are like loosely used that become so tangible in these next few episodes that it's it's like concussing it's it's ridiculous it there are there are bits and pieces of the story that I'm like, eh, I feel like that was kind of hokey. I wish I got more of this and that I can nitpick here and there. But I think overall, like Attack on Titan is easily and I'm happy to have been wrong. I'm happy that like me dropping it in season two and being like, this is kind of dumb and hokey and we're not really going anywhere. It feels like we're just asking a lot of questions. We're We're not moving the plot along. And then to like now it's it's definitely we one of the better some, ones we move
1: the plot along yeah we definitely did i mean what even got you back in
3: Because um, if, you,
1: if you felt usually when i feel that way about something i don't come back
3: oh i agreed 100 percent. i think it was season four and everybody like you need to pick this back up like you need to pick this back up and it wasn't just like one circle of friends it was like multiple people like oh are you so gonna- did
1: you did you go back to where you left off
3: uh i read some of the manga that was out um and then i think i kind of skimmed through like some of the seasons got the gist of it and then kind of picked you back fast up season
1: forwarded. Four, pretty you fast forwarded a season 4 you're like
3: you which just, i like, kind of wish really i pulled a season four. didn't but at the same time i'm like bro i can't be asked to like sit here and watch like 50 episodes it wasn't 50 but you know what i mean
1: i still think yeah. it would have been worth it it would have been rewarding in my opinion oh, sure. but you've yeah. already arrived here so you know whatever. Um, I'll put it this way for for where we're going to be in a second. After in the in after two weeks when and I'm I assume it'll be two weeks because I think based I don't even know it could just be one episode. By the way, there's a possible the possibility where based on the pace that they have, all of the so and so reveals that I am hinting at could actually all be done in one episode. But for some reason, I think it'll be two based mm. on like if I'm directing this, how you would, would want I want to, to split, how would I want to split up the mm. the the everything that's about to take place and i think you wouldn't you should have two episodes for that not just one but maybe they do it in one and my point is at the end of it it's so wild you are going to want to go back to the first episode to look for clues yeah that's what i'm gonna say yeah i'll i'll leave it there
3: there are so many like i said there are so many just little ties and themes and motifs and and just like off comments that you think are just off comments but they're really not it, it it gets kind of crazy at how much he just like leaves and like gives you trails, and it all comes together. <laughs> mm. It's Isiyama, actually
1: nuts. Isiyama leg, Isiyama legitimately had breadcrumbs from the first episode. It's, honest, fucking, honest crazy. it's God, fucking crazy. Honest to God, from know, like it, minute one. What? Okay, interesting.
3: Nuts. Very impressive. I honest to God, <laughs> like hats off to him. Very actual
1: impressive. genius. Actual yeah. writing genius. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I can't wait the the conclusion. It's yeah, everything, everything there's a lot coming up. There's still nine more episodes. I'm surprised that we're only three episodes deep because I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. I feel like by the time we got here in the manga, I'd read a couple a few chapters already. You know, it was was several chapters deep. That's why I'm like, okay, well, I guess pacing-wise uh things are okay then. But I would also argue that these have been three pretty heavy episodes in terms of the action. Like this it's been non-stop. It's like boom, 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 boom. I've read some comments that have been like, bro, I've you know, uh, what were they? Basically, it was a comment related to how intense the last three episodes have been that there's mm-hmm. no like emotional break at all. You're like you're like in a you're in a Formula yeah. One car zipping through three laps nonstop, no brakes. you know you're turning at hundreds of kilometers an hour and you're just going at it in mm. um, the next two episodes you're gonna we're gonna settle down a little bit more, which is good for pacing because you don't want to just be at breakneck the entire time, but yeah. yeah. It's been pretty bright, Nick, the last three episodes. That's the
3: three of the season. I'll take that over, just like... I'm, I'm here for, like, political intrigue and sabotage and st- stuff like that, but, like, you need to give me some sort of, like, payoff eventually. And I felt like this has uh, definitely been
2: well, based exciting. On, based on your explanations, I'm not sure if I can hold out for the anime to finish. I might just have to read the manga. Uh, you, no, no,
1: no 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 you're already halfway yeah, through you you're might like as well four days you're like three and a half days away from getting yeah. to the anime
2: I mean it's not All just right, the next episode right I can maybe huh? I can discipline myself for the next one I'm not sure if I can discipline myself after
3: the, for the next, next like month well yeah. we'll we'll talk
1: after Sunday yeah. and see how you feel <laughs>
3: see, we'll, we'll, we'll reconvene <laughs> next episode we'll
1: reconvene after, th- after Sunday <laughs> and see where you're at Um, I mean you're at the point where you might as well just finish like if i if i was in your position i just Mm. i probably would personally sit it out the only reason i got into the manga was because i got to the end of season three part one
0: yeah
1: where they're about to just go back to shikoshina and i was like and then the season ends i'm like fuck this is so this is bullshit i've been robbed there's no way you're gonna end the season here we're just about to go to the basement you're gonna end the season here and then I got the manga out because I was so frustrated, and mm. I feel like that was a reasonable time to get it out because yeah. I've been blueballed so hard by that season. That I was yeah, like, yeah, no, the same I, thing. No, I cannot, but... I cannot stand for this. Whereas we're in the middle no. of the season right now, so like the next episode, you're at the, the you're,
3: you're, in the, you're in the midst of ending the show. Like you might as, I would say it's probably best to just wait it out, you and experience out. It, experience it like with fresh eyes, with the community, right, without being spoiled, and then go back and look
1: you have a unique yeah. ability to actually watch the show. I was going to say untainted by the manga, but that just, that, that sounds like <laughs> manga's is yeah. bad or something where you are not influenced by the manga. You get, you have a unique opportunity to watch the show in a way where you get to have, like Joe said, fresh eyes on it, where you have no expectations and no influence from the manga at all. Whereas I can't do that, I I I know what's gonna happen, so I right. I can only watch it from the perspective of I know what's gonna happen, which is very and I wish I could watch this fresh, but, if possible. But
3: yeah, it was. Uh, thing is, it was I second.
1: blame I blame the slow rollout of the seasons for. It is possible for
2: forcing me away. It is possible that I know the contents of the next episode, as as I said, like I know. Sure. Right, some of it. May yeah,
3: I don't know. Like I uh,
2: I'll have to see. Um.
3: You'll be be kind of enthralled with all of like, once it's done, you're going to go back and like look at the theory videos and like where all the breadcrumbs were and where the foreshadowing was and being like, oh, that's right, blah, blah, blah happened here and they said this and that and dang, that's crazy that he actually had the foresight to like write that like chapters in advance.
1: There were things that happened in season one that are still unexplained as far as the anime goes. Right events in season one that were like, that's kind of fucking weird. And then it was just never addressed Mm. again. And in the world of, in the world of like modern media, it just looks like normal bad writing. Cause sometimes in, in, in shows you watch or like movies you watch, there's like subplots that never get addressed again. Not because like they're trying to be really smart, like Isayama, but actually they're just, it's just bad writing and they just, they don't go back there because they're stupid or like they wrote themselves into a corner. They don't want to, they don't want to address that or I don't know where they just ran out of time and they just can't go back to it. So, um, but no, this is a show where like everything is deliberate. So what? if there are unanswered questions from earlier seasons, those questions are about to be answered. What,
2: was mm. Yimia like the the uh, the actual character ever addressed again, or is that also something? A loop which which characters? Uh, like oh, the woman that from season one. Yeah, she just runs off.
1: No, her storyline's concluded.
2: Yeah. Okay. I just uh,
1: season four part one. You, you saw the conclusion of her storyline, right? Okay, um, with I mean, if you know the character Galliard in the current season, you know okay, how <laughs> you know the pathway of, of how things had to happen for Galliard oh, okay, to have okay, 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 you yeah. know. okay, that makes sense,
2: but yeah, okay,
1: but um, yeah, that was not an unresolved uh, plotline, that's a fully resolved plotline. There are just a couple of specs from, like I said, like after people finish season four, you, rewatching season one suddenly makes a lot of sense because you're like, wait a minute, where? Let me see where those breadcrumbs were. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, they were in my face the whole time and I didn't see them at all.
3: Yeah. Okay. Easily like a two-watch um, series and you get some some fun out of it for sure.
1: Right. All right. But yeah. Well, we've had our fun. Uh, that's a, that's our thirty-minute Tack on Titans podcast. Um and now we're gonna start the Overwatch podcast. Episode two hundred and eleven, brought to you by Battlecrab, Refine being Bronzebot Bot Chare, Prophet Picasso, Chris R34444, Casha67, Lol Shen, Pork Shop, Sammy, Rexane, Sugurthalot Olamel's Mel's, Smooth Nuts, and Your Misery. And legitimately, guys, if if we, the fact that you, you can have a 30-minute attack on Titan discuss, which is longer than the episode, by the way, for what it's worth, okay. um means you could actually have like a a, like a genuine bite-sized podcast just for an anime episode it's wild Which i hope I there's like another to... one
3: after this i hope there's like something else that like captures like the collective's attention yeah and like just becomes like that show that like everybody's waiting for i thought
1: you meant like there another goes. season like there attack goes. on attack oh on god time.
3: please no i'm <laughs> like, so over just like running series into the fucking dirt and i'm hoping arcane isn't that please god riot
1: you just like you see J.J. Uh, Abrams pick it up and um, what's-his-face, the Who Ruined
3: Last Jedi. I'm um, so tired of it. <laughs> just let just let the story be done. I don't need 15. I don't need the kids. I don't need the beach episodes. Just let it die. It's okay.
1: Fun fact, they actually have a spinoff of them going to school. Uh, anyway, I, uh, I said we were going to talk about Overwatch and for some we'll reason we haven't done man. that yet. So I've actually just... I've, I, I've, I've lied to everyone listening. Um... Couple things to take note of. We've we've got some player movements that actually yes. happen. One significant one in my opinion. And a few other ones that had already been rumored slash leaked. Hmm. Uh, or or are just not as profound um as the one I'm about to get to. There's the merit to outlaws one is like the big boy move that people didn't see coming at all. I didn't see coming. Yeah. Um, and is quite a big one to talk about. Um, so we might as well start with that one. The other ones are obviously Molly to charge and then uh, Kuki to NYXL as coach, uh, and Links are rumored to go to Valiant, which are not as big as the Merit news. So why don't we just kick it off? Merit to Outlaws. What are our thoughts um, from either the perspective of the Outlaws picking this guy up, or Merit as a player joining the Outlaws?
3: So I... I think my opinion is a little weird and slightly biased, because I remember merit did he play in china i think he played a l- just a couple hot played seconds on, playing on LG
1: who yeah he actually won a season he okay. won the season that uh he went to gauntlet
3: okay so i i do i do remember liking him a lot was that 2019 is that 2019 season three. okay so i i do like him i i did like him then i thought he was like had a lot of potential with somebody i wanted to keep my eye on and since then i have not heard the same level of like fanfare that i was expecting um i thought his hitscan was very very strong i thought he had a very good hanzo i thought his widow was very strong and and past that point i wasn't like blown away um but i don't know that that's too bad for the outlaws i guess it's like a just a third man hitscan specialist like i'm okay with it joe
1: so you say you say like you haven't heard much fanfare but anytime i go into reddit someone's like man how come <laughs> merit hasn't been picked up you know and, one of the top players he hasn't been picked and up and i
3: get i, I get that but i i i respect um you know Let's say experts opinions, yours, somebody like Kenobi's a little bit more that are like, yeah, he's been good, but like there have been better people. And I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of a little sad, but like, okay, let's hear about those people. Right. Like the the level of hype that I had for him, the level of potential I thought he could kind of get to. Didn't kind of stay consistent and that what that's what kind of had me worried. I think he still has potential and I think he'll actually do really well. So like with Dante and Pelican. As just like a flex piece, like he's probably gonna have mm-hmm. a couple of metas where he does really well. He always struck me as kind of a flashy player, kind of a hero yeah. mindset. Like he's gonna make those plays, he's gonna go out there, he's gonna do the flanks, he's gonna try to make those those big hero plays, and sometimes they work and sometimes they win, they they won them games. But yeah, I I just don't, I just it's not like a huge signing, it seems like another um one of the archetypes that teams are following where it's like you either go for like a weird kind of like hyperflex projectile as your third man, or you just go like ons as a third man, you, you lock down that, that hit scan roll and you just kind of bank on, you know, possibly some of these older metas coming back into vogue and, and really having somebody that can kind of compete at a, at a world-class level, which I think merit can do, but maybe he still is going to have some consistency issues from way back when.
1: Okay. Anything you want to drop in the escut before I go on my spiel? There's a, there's a spiel coming.
2: <laughs> no, not really. Just a warning. To be fair, like the way how the Outlaws moved have moved this off season, just like which other players they were looking at and missed out on. Merit made a lot of sense, um, mm-hmm. so I I'm not as surprised by this. I knew they were uh, on in the market, um, and. I think it's surprising like how low the priority list merit must have been. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, that that they eventually ended up winning them is not too surprising from my point of view.
1: I think it's a good fit. Um honestly. And okay. Houston probably I don't know like I mean we we heard of some of their other options, like obviously Easy was rumored. Uh, We had actually discussed Easy Han on this podcast as well in terms of where he would be on this team. So Mm -hmm. we knew that Outlaws were looking for HitScan. They got to replace Happy. I mean, Dante and Pelican are there, but neither of them are like serious, hard-HitScan players, you know. and that's what they they were looking for, someone that was going to be that hard-HitScan player for them to Mm -hmm. fill Happy's role that's been vacated. Um, I, I guess they could have gone for a player from anywhere, but I don't know if there are any... Really insane hit scans in the Western market currently that have not been picked up and are of age. The one guy you want is Kai, but he's on Atlanta. So if you can't yeah. get Kai, then you—I guess—you're looking for a Korean rookie or something like that. Um, and of those available, um, merit would have been pretty high on the list uh, as far as pure like. If we just look at only DPS and we're not looking at like you know, only hit scans, Merritt's pretty well, he's not low on the list, but he's he's below the guys like the propers, obviously. He's below the m and threes I'd say he's even below the zest. So in, pr- in terms of priority of all of these new, potentially insane rookies coming on through, mm. um, Merritt was definitely behind a lot of people. make no mistake about that. I was surprised that both Becky and Gurio got picked up before Merritt Cause I felt right. like I would have personally have had Merritt a little higher. Um, I still trust rush. I still think, you know, from Dallas's yeah. POV, they saw something they liked in Gurio, and, you know, uh, and rush has proven track record of knowing how to develop talent. So look, if he's, if he's happy with that, um, I got no question to doubt him, but I would have, from my perspective of having casted both of them. um, matches over the past couple of years in Korea, Merritt was definitely the better player. And Mm. speaking of casting specific players' careers, Merritt's a fun player in the fact that he is one of the few players I can uh, tangibly say I've casted almost his entire career, from day Mm. one to current day, in terms of his literal debut in Overwatch Contenders, which is what I deem to be like, the start of your the actual start of your like quote unquote pro career is mm. you kind of have to at least be at the contenders level for me. Um, yeah, he, he debuted in 2018 season two of contenders Pacific when I was still doing contenders Pacific uh, mm. on new paradigm. Um, fun fact, but a lot of people don't know this. One of his teammates back then, I'm going to just check this to make sure I've got it done. Um, no, I've confused it with different person. I was going to say one of his teammates was Lee J. Gon, but Lee J. Gon was on a different team, but uh, they both no. debuted the same season. I'm not, I, I, I think Lee J. Gon deb- debuted the exact same season that Merritt did on a different team. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, 2018 season two. Yeah. First contenders game. Yeah. This is the same season. Uh, Lee J. Gon was on Monster Shield Korea and Merritt was on New Paradigm. And there's some other players on this new paradigm team that I don't think ended up making it super far, but that's just besides the point. Um so I've seen I've seen Merit pretty much as my career. I, I would say in terms of outside commentators, I'm not talking about commentary in terms of casting, commentators in terms of just people talking about this player. Mm. Um there's probably no one outside of me, and you probably say Pixie because he was there casting with me, but as the analyst in Nigeria, there's probably no one in the English speaking world more that's seen more of merit than I have. that's cast more of merit. that's analyzed more of merit than I have. I probably I don't want to just go out and say, like, yeah, I'm like the the foremost expert on merit, but from like a pure time spent of there's not a, there's not a human being on this planet in the English speaking world that's seen more games of merit than I have. Mm-hmm. so that that being the case, he's had an interesting career to me, um where I think he's deserving of some level of hype, but I don't think he's. Necessarily like a a, a a top, top, top pickup. Like he's not my number one choice. He's probably not my number two or even three, third choice in terms of who I'm really gunning for if I am a team looking for rookie talent. I think Houston had to, I hate to use the S word here, but settle somewhat for Merritt because he was the best of what was left remaining. Um I mean what's the, and I make that sound bad but what's left remaining is still pretty good like that's mm-hmm. not bad at all. we're talking about contender's career for fuck's sake like they got a yeah. they got they got a shitload of talent in there so mm. even and, and and let's be real as well like you got glad who picked up skewed last year who was a bottom tier player yeah. who ended up being fucking phenomenal so like it doesn't even you know the the priority and like the hierarchy of like who's the best and who's you know not sometimes doesn't even matter if you can just find the diamond in the rough I'm not saying um, that's always going to happen. Cause I think skewed is like, like maybe a one-time thing. Um, and I expect proper to be an absolute God. Uh, just, he's simply too good to not be. So mm-hmm. th- he's going to be one of those players that absolutely will be that guy. Um, but Merritt's had a career where he's had to play against profit, 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 proper, and also had to play, you know, then, then being on the same team as proper. um, mm-hmm. And obviously proper outclassed him both times. I mean, you know, that's just that's not even like a crazy statement to make. Proper did the same thing to Pelican anyway. Um, Merritt's just like he's he's a great he's a good player, but I don't think he's ever to me been like number one on any list. He's never been Mm. dominant enough for me to be like, yeah, he's the best X or Y hero in Korea right now. Never said that about him. Could never Mm. describe him that way. Everything he's played, I feel like someone else has definitely been better. Mm. That player usually a lot of times actually has been proper, funny enough. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just unlucky because he has to play in proper shadow, which everyone else had to do. Uh, but Merritt, when I say he struggled this season, this season being the most recent season, I think a lot of teams in Contenders career weren't fully adapted to season two because of all the Sombra stuff. Because Sombra is such a specialized hero, I feel like guys like Merritt. I better on the hard hit scans, the Cassidy's, mm. the Ashes, the Widowmakers, definitely the Cassidy and the Ashes. I feel like his Widowmaker is reasonable, but not up there. Okay. Um, and he was forced to play a lot of Sombra, and I feel like he's he had a really okay Sombra, but it wasn't. No one's gonna be Lip, so we're sure. not looking for Lip. Uh, Lip, Lip put Sombra onto a level that is unattainable for literally anyone else in existence,
3: agreed.
1: So we're not looking for Lip, but I'm looking for like. Can we get eighty percent of lip? Can we get seventy. Can we get like a Doha? 80%? At least a Doha. Can we at get least. a Doha level Sombra that's like a percentage of lip, yeah. just to even like get a taste of what that's of, of the possibility? Um, and so everyone was kind of just gunning for like you know some level that could be a good Sombra but obviously not at lip level. Um, and I think a lot of sombras in Korea did struggle in that regard because you either had flex players it just. Uh, they had to learn Sombra like Ardo, and that's that's definitely not a hero that like, I mean, the Ardo is a guy that wants to play Genji and stuff. He wants to play Projectors. He don't want to be playing Sombra. And Merit is, I mean, a lot of, of, of maybe it's easier for like a hit scan player to go to Sombra, but even then, to me, Sombra is such a specialized hero that it's just hard for most players to really master, especially mm. when you had one guy. That set the fucking bar so high that everyone else looks dog shit compared to him on that specific hero. Um so he to me struggled somewhat due to the circumstance of being put on this hero that is very specialized. That's um like he just did a he just did reasonable. He was a very he was like a workhorse kind of samura, nothing special, did what he needed to do, shined a lot more in hit metas where he could be the Ash player next to Proper's Tracer in right. this year's O2 Blast iteration, which is mega successful, obviously. Um, and I think the biggest thing about Merit that speaks to his quality is the fact that he started over Kilo for, for a majority of the season. Because I would have said that Kilo's Ash and Kilo's Hitscan was more impressive at a lot of points compared to Merit's, but there was something about Merit's quality that Smash, O2 Boss, and the O2 Blast staff... Decided was more worthwhile putting him as a starter than a bench, mm. um, and that could have been the Sombra difference. Because yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm. It sounds like I'm bagging on Merit Sombra, but Kilo Sombra is well, not even close to being that good. I'd rather have, I'll take Merit Sombra over Kilo Somer any day. But mm. Mm. then that that might legitimately be it. Like you know, you gotta you gotta play Tracer Sombra. Well, who's the best Sombra on your team? If it's Merit, then he's starting, I guess. But even in hit minutes, I felt like he played more Ash, and he started a little bit more. Well, he, he had a lot more opportunity, and Kilo still wasn't playing a huge amount. So that that definitely speaks to Merritt's quality a little bit. But I think people mm-hmm. need to temper their expectations a little bit. I feel like I've done a decent job of tempering because you know even now you go into threads about Merritt and it's like yeah, well I mean I remember Avril saying like he's he's like good, yeah, but he's not like insane. So you know maybe he's just like over here. He's just kind of like above average, and I'm, I'd say that's about correct. He's definitely above average. He's not some S tier player. He's gonna be a workhorse. Um, he'll get the job done and I think he's a good fit for Houston again back to my original point because he is a what Houston needs mm-hmm. um, and you know Houston have what a majority Korean roster this time around as well I'm sure that'll be fine for him um, I don't know if he'll be a starter at all depending on the meta for Houston I also Depends, think, when yeah. at, I think when you look at from Houston's POV I don't know if there was a better option I don't know, hmm. um, and again, I hate to use the word settle because it has such negative connotations. But of the remaining hit scans, yeah, pr- this guy probably was the best choice, and so I think you can be happy. I think people, people, I don't want people to be upset. Like, oh no, Houston didn't get a good player. Well, I mean, they they still got a pretty good player. They just they you know they didn't get the MN three because there's no way right. Philly was not going to let MN three go. So you can just remove that thought out of your brain. Um, and out of the players that was left, like Merritt was still a, a really good choice. So mm-hmm. yeah, and now. Have two players in their team with the number one in their name, Merit and Iris. So there you go.
3: True. Yeah, I mean, that's my spiel.
1: I told you how to spiel. That's my whole spiel.
3: The average of ones in a team equates to uh, overall success as a positive correlation. Now, I mean, when you look at that DPS trio, I I do think it has a lot of punching power. Um, I think a lot of people, maybe listening to Merit playing Sombra, maybe are like, okay, but. Why does that matter when you have Dante? I would also like to point your direction or your eyes to how Tracer was treated last year, right? Like she went from being this like hit scan like side character that you almost needed a like a main player for to becoming something that the flex was actually playing. So like these these roles can be interchangeable, right? Like this game is ever changing on top of the fact that we're getting overwatch 2. I know that that's the big like elephant in the room that we don't necessarily want to bring up at every discussion because you definitely could and just say like well, we don't know overwatch 2 her dir. but i think in this scenario when you look at like sombra's rework when you look at like the the overall changes like we can't necessarily paint with the same colors that we did in the past at least too much right we can't evaluate that specifically from the past i know that's the only thing that we kind of can do but i i wouldn't be rigid with that i would say like okay well what if you need your hit scan to play somber what if you you know there are certain positions on maps that you need you know instead of cassidy you want to swatch to switch to you know somber or whoever right like that could be a possibility and that's something that Merrick can bring to the table that maybe dante can't right like there's there's possibilities here it is a little bit more flexible i think he's a little bit more flexible than just like the hard hit scan but like that's definitely where his bread is, is buttered for sure um, so I, I like I would echo a lot of what Avril saying. I like it. Um, it kind of uh, yeah, Houston kind of shaping up to be a, you know a pretty scary team. Has a lot of potential.
1: Yeah, it's um, I think Houston still. I, I believe Jake is going to be coaching this year. That's what all the rumors say. Houston haven't released a statement on that yet, but barely. Dante
3: has said that.
1: So. All the yeah, I mean
3: take we'll that take, with we'll, a take grain of salt.
1: That, we'll take that yeah, we'll take that for what it's worth for now. <laughs> uh but right. I mean it's it's hard to say cuz cuz Jake it, it's it's probably likely and true that Jake will be coaching again, but it's not impossible that he'd still be on a player contract and has a possibility mm. of playing. So it's 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 too hard to write that in uh concrete right now, but mm. um we'll assume that he is just going to be a coach and, and by that assumption it's only going to be Dante Paulakin like Merit as the DPSs, uh, which also makes a lot of sense because Do you really need four DPS? It feels like a bit overkill. Like Mm -hmm. I I even look at teams like Dallas, like they have four DPS. I'm like, bro, that's a lot of people.
3: They're very much overcompensating. Like you, not want to be in the position we were last year.
1: There's two players on your team on that role that's going to be benched. Um, and I imagine Sparkle's never going to get benched. So. two out of doha Edison and gurry are going to be benched at either point in the season and yeah. you're right it does feel a little bit over conversation because you're like we had no hit scans last year yeah. let's get two this year. Going to this we're gonna get and angry we're gonna two hit scans um but it's you know it's fine you got the money and you you want to be prepared for a double hit scan meta you know uh, power to you and again so I you make Rush. a little bit
3: more content oh well yeah uh,
1: i don't know why i've just decided to talk about the other texan team i'm maybe just i'm just you know i'm stuck i mean it kind of brings up
3: bit. an interesting point which team do you guys think is better as it stands right now, obviously, Houston needs to make a few more moves, but, you know, get off the, know, fence. Get YouTube, off the yeah. fence a little bit. <laughs> Spotify, let's <laughs> who, who do you get like off more. I, I really don't know, to be honest, if, I, if I'm if i going to jump in to get off the fence, like, I don't Is there one that you How guys you- like? Would put a stake
1: into? Bro, oh, you have Fearless and Harbin on one team, and you don't have Fearless and Harbin on the other team. <laughs> True. That is a big one. Is there more that needs to be
2: said? <clears throat> but Fearless and Harbin can't play at the same time. True, they but don't you have everything
1: either covered. One, either one of them, I will still yeah. take over Piggy. No offense to Piggy, but...
0: Oh, full but, offense. But both
1: Fearless and Harbin are like s tier tank players, so it's like... to God. <laughs> embarrassment like, of riches on that team. It's unreal.
3: Yep. if if tank is going to be as important as we assume it should be, um, yeah, I would say Dallas has a significant edge in that department.
0: Mm.
3: Yeah, I I like Pelican. Don't get me wrong, I like a lot of the the Houston players. I like Junk Puck, but there again, you have Rush, right? Like Dallas has got a lot going for him this season for oh, sure. Man, I'm like like about to have a like all right. I'm interested to hear why.
2: New timestamp, Yuska's hot take. <laughs>
3: get it on Reddit. The thing
2: is, okay, here's my problem. I, I don't want to underestimate Rush again, right? Like, mm. I feel like I've done that too much. And falling years, into, baby. In,
3: into the trap of doing that again is dumb as hell, right? Do we need to get, like, guard on the phone just to, like, maybe convince you otherwise? Like, yeah, bro, he's legit. Like...
2: <laughs> my thing is... Wow, well, Edison's not a good pickup. Um, I think they will still have issues there. I feel you know like it? Piggy is not that far behind. Um, I feel like Pelican is...
3: <sighs> Sorry, uh, I just woke uh, uh, up. Piggy uh, is not far behind who? Either, of the,
2: either of the two. I mean, of course, in main tank heroes, like I can't say, and I, I think, like when sure. we play main tank heroes, yes, of course, Dallas will yes. slap um, Hanbin. Yeah, I, I think like Hanbin is like an S tier, S plus, and Piggy is an S tier. Uh, wow, that close. Tier. Yeah.
3: Um, I gotta, I gotta look.
1: I don't know. I, Continue. I think that, that is, I think that's wild to very, me. Very, that's very generous for Piggy. Yeah. I'll say that much. That's um, my opinion.
2: It's hard to evaluate the back line. I think that might actually be the crux of it.
3: Sure. I, I'll take that. I think that's it. Uh,
2: it's also, by the way, Iris Lastro
1: is double flex, whereas Chio Fielder is the traditional main and then mm, flex. Yeah. So it's a little bit different there.
2: Yeah. I also don't know uh, enough about Chio. But then again, I should probably just give He's great is uh, Rush the benefit of the doubt I think it's close I think you would have to have Dallas ahead a little bit but I th- just based on giving Rush ben- the benefit of the doubt but I don't think it's like I'd not be surprised say, if Houston ends up being the better team
1: there I think I think you are, I think you are justified in saying that Edison is probably not going to hit the mark for like what you if you want to be a, a, a top team and by top team I mean a team that can contend for the actual championship. Edison to me is currently not a player that can contend for a championship. gurio is a little bit more untested. Um but even like I said earlier, like I, I had the sky below Merritt. Mm. So I I if for me I would have at face value I would have taken Merritt over gurio Now I don't, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes and maybe there's more intangibles that gurio brings to the table. Maybe there's more potential there that Rush sees compared to Merritt who's had a longer career and Gurio's a bit more of a you know I think they're both rookies, technically speaking, but Guerrero's yeah. had a much more brief career, or his merit's been around for a bit, uh, for a little while. Um, so maybe Rush is just looking for a, little, a player that he mold more than someone that's been around. Uh, in either case, there is a theory that I have that if Dallas gets into a double hit scan meta, which is quite rare, but still a, a, awesome. a strong possibility, And Overwatch two, like who, who the hell knows, knows? man? Yeah. No, hit scan could be really fucking good. And then if it is, you're going to get a double hit scan meta. Mm. Um if your double hit scan is Edison Grio I don't hate it, but
3: I'm not impressed. Are you
1: are you necessarily I mean you got Arns, Patty, and Kevster and glads. Mm. Uh yeah, you know, look Patty needs a bit of time to warm up, but you know, I've seen this guy at his pig, he's he's pretty he's pretty damn good. Um Kev has a couple of hit scans that he can maybe bring to the table. Mm. you got i mean to be fair to be fair to dallas they're one of the few teams that actually have a double hit scan lineup uh whereas most teams don't and they have a single hit scan plus projectile or plus flex rather so i'll, I'll put it this way you're up against soul it's profits mm. yeah profit fits is gonna bring you bring to the table a fucking phenomenal hit scan and profit can also he's flexible enough to also pick up a really good hit scan as well so are you are you beating profits with Edison Gurrio? You know, and you have not. to ask those questions because you're gonna get into an international where Seoul plays against Dallas because they're both gonna be top teams. Um, who's gonna win if it's double his game You know, I feel like the Philly Guerrero Edison stocks aren't super high in that comparison.
3: Mm. And to to all of the the commenters that are you know. I think obviously molding at like, oh well Rush found a way to do it last year. Why can't he just do it again? And to that I would say, sorry, miracles don't work that way. That <laughs> my guy was... my
1: guy would literally be a genie grinding his third wish you do that.
3: <laughs> like like the like Dallas's story last year is still like mind-bending, but is like at the core of what's kind of beautiful about Overwatch that you can kind of find those like meta defining like last minute Torb virus like oh we didn't even think of that that's actually so good and you just start to kind of write the book uh, of the metagame from that point forward right like you've you've ended the chapter now we're doing what Dallas wants Um, and you you force everybody to adapt to you because of your deficiency right because you don't have XE Um, just doing that again is like (sighs) Recreate, I don't like repaint the Mona Lisa for the first time. Like that's not something you can just like summon at will. Of course, there are probably going to, at least hopefully, there are going to be in Overwatch 2's first, you know, competitive season, some more creative looks, some more artistic takes on, you know, okay, we can't play a double hit scan. We can maybe, you know, argue this, or maybe we'll try to do that. Right. There's going to be something else that maybe could fit in certain teams' wheelhouses a little bit more than others. Maybe that's the case, but we can't just rely on Rush to just perform miracle after miracle when just painted into a corner, right? Like, that's just not feasible for one man to do, or or one coaching staff, rather. End rant. He's only human, yeah. people,
1: please. Yeah, there's a lot of mysteries. There's a lot of mysteries, um, but I, I, I at least think Dallas is far more prepared to Agreed. Make miracles happen. I don't think they're going to be required to make miracles happen, but they're they're a lot more prepared because they've kind of uh, filled all the gaps super early. So uh, I, but yeah, to end that discussion, I do feel like Dallas currently has the stronger roster, which is not a hot take. That's like the coldest take ever. Oh. Uh, so yeah, Dante and the fe- Dante and the fellas on the Houston Outlaws next year, this Thank year rather.
3: To the piggy comparison? I'm still mulling about, bro. I don't know what you're.
1: Yes, you've you've sent you Josh. Sh- you're sent smoking
3: him up. some. I want. I want what you're taking.
2: Why? Literally, why? He played Sigma. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Sigma. <laughs> I think, like, even if you look at Rookie of the Year voting,
3: like, I think a <sighs> yeah, lot of people had uh... mind bending.
2: Okay, right. I mean, I'm now justifying my my uh, argument by <laughs> yeah, citing true. Overwatch League bo- votes that I... Jeremy Pepega, maybe I'm losing based on that. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I definitely I definitely trust the casual voters to decide
2: who's been. Oh, no, it's yeah. not just like, the I casual don't... voters. It's actually the coaches that said Piggy was yes, uh, which is rookie
3: of the year. Yeah. Nuts to me. Like, like if you want to argue and you if if somebody wants to like point to me like specific roles that he was forced to do that made him statistically underwhelming, then sure. Even through the eye test, I wasn't like. Immensely impressed outside the Sigma, which also is supported through statistics, which I agree. The Pigma is fucking Pog Champ. I want to see more of that shit. Let's go. Still worse
1: right. than Hanbin's. Not. It's good, but Hanbin's Sigma was still better than Piggie's. Just that, that's
3: that's that's like the that that's kind of like the issue that I have like harping it on that argument is like, bro, Hanbin's actually just fucking nuts. Like nobody talks about him. Yeah. Statistically, he's a fucking monster. He can play everything yeah, at like a pretty high wrong. level. Yeah. Like this kid's nuts. Like comparing, yeah. it's like comparing somebody wrong. to like proper. You know what I mean? Like it's just uh, not fair. It's it's like I'm not saying it is. I'm just comparing the the, the feeling.
2: Ah, too many stacked off the things, mouth bro.
3: feel. Okay. <laughs>
2: I mean, I couldn't you say the same thing about void or like about
3: you know what? And and funny you mention this, I had to go back for a recent article. Ooh, it'll come out when it comes out. Um, to look at void in particular statistically not that impressive mm. not not shocking not to void like you hear void you're like oh this kid's top five this kid's pounding you know why first kills because everybody else is fucking doing it
1: because <laughs> harbin came into the scene on a paris roster that eventually became a, like a, a dominant roster true and hasn't hasn't ever been not dominant i don't think Harbin has ever been middle of the pack Whereas I think we've seen, we've had seasons where Void has just been like an okay player. Like, he's not mm-hmm. been, he's not been like the monster that he is currently on Shanghai. Yep. And um, so there's like a different. <laughs> this is why Void is like one of the most criminally underrated players because people keep remembering when he was just like on Gladiators and yeah. he was like good, but he was not like, he's not like fucking, not insane and, yeah. you know, and just his past of, um, being being behind other people. I don't know. I think I think Void has built himself up to be like one of, if not the best, right next to him. I still think Harbin's better, but right next to Harman. Um right. so yeah. But that aside, Dallas versus Houston mm. um will be will be a fun exchange. For sure. And I mean, then you, and by the way, rivalry. just and even talking about the hit scans even further, because I, I was we were on this topic, but while I was looking through the rosters, I did see another pretty dominant hit scan duo that could be if we're going to talk about this hit scan in a little bit more of a serious fashion, there's a couple mm. out there. Shy Pineapple, nut, nut, nutty. Carpe MN3, fucking nutty. So True, yeah. If you're Dallas and you have Edison Gurrio, I don't know if you're beating Carpe MN3 or Shy Pineapple, Hog Profits. Yeah. You're, you know, you're not brute bull- forcing them like you're wildly not just powerful DPSs in his
3: game yeah agreed the, the, like you are very much shifting your resources away from trying to put the DPS into like really advantageous positions and like you're trying to like edge out tank battles you're trying to get more value out of your support resources yeah. like it's not just going to be like winning like brute forcing aim duels against some of these people like i don't know if Dallas can hang that way maybe they can find I mean, some other edges uh, but
1: Humpin will be t- his God. his demigod powers will be tested in that situation, uh, yeah. when your two hit scans are getting diffed by the other two hit scans, mm. the difference maker is going to be someone like Harbin to really pull the weight of the rest of the team yeah. to to fill that gap, because it will be a gap. Mm. Um, that aside, though, pretty happy with how these rosters are looking. I think uh, I both the rosters are in a good place right now and happy to move on to talking about some of these other players and teams. Uh, let's go with Molly to Charge, first and foremost.
3: Are you? Are you higher Molly, Joe? I'm sm- I'm huffing that we're 10 minutes in, right? We're not gonna get hit with the algorithm. Yeah, bro. I'm I'm sniffing Molly. I'm I'm boofing Molly. I'm all about Molly, bro. I've been it since day one. <laughs> Joe is higher,
1: Molly. We said the line. We did it. I want that on a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> with his face on it, hopefully, so people yes. don't get too confused.
3: Yeah, not too confused.
1: Fun fact, Molly and Merritt were on the same team back in the yep. day on uh, LG, L-G. Huya. And that's a winning roster that eventually imploded because they did absolutely nothing at Gauntlet, <laughs> sadly. It was a, not a good representation of Chinese Overwatch oh, at that time. Um, Molly, though, has since had a pretty good career. But this is, by the way, Overwatch League champion Molly coming into the Guangzhou Charge, and he's not Very the true. only one. Got a ring. It's Molly and Develop. So you have two out of currently seven players that are Overwatch League champions on this team. Unfortunately, they were both bench players, but um, I think Molly... Improves this roster by quite a lot. I feel much better about the charge. I mean, we
3: significantly.
1: We we talked a little bit about theoretically, like oh, if Molly joined Charge, what would that be like? I think we all unanimously agreed it would be a great pickup.
3: Yeah, I will not hear any slander that somehow Molly is worse than Kareev. Yes, I understand Rolsar. Yes, I understand he's got some pop off INF performances. His his Zen. Hey, I don't know how I defend his Zinjata, but somehow here we are. Uh I think Molly is just infinitely more consistent, infinitely more safe. Um, and maybe some people view that the wrong way um, or or view it in a negative light that like safe is a bad thing. No. When you have <laughs> when you have somebody that like demands the attention of your team, be, you know, pilloried around you. Um, speaking to Karib's play style, it feels like uh, not a good thing, not a good look to have like the the color of the team be painted around your specific style. I think Molly's a little bit more flexible in that way, a lot more consistent across the board, um, it is going to be a significant upgrade for this team um, in the yep. long run,
1: 100%. Stable player. Uh, I remember fondly watching his performances as, as a starting flex support on jungdu in 2020. A uh, bit of a shame mm. we never got to experience more of him last year. You got a few token games from Moon. Just be like, ah, oh, yeah, here's a Valiant game you can play, Molly. <laughs> but um... I think the guy is deserving of a start of starting position somewhere. It was just never going to be on Shanghai.
2: Sadly,
3: oh, God no, no, <clears throat> not the slightest.
2: Are you ready for my hot take? Shut up. It's not about but Molly
3: per se. It better not be about Kareev. No. Thank He's God. about
2: to talk about Uki again. No, I'm about to t- <laughs> talk about charge okay
3: okay
2: charge feels like the in this like charge is the Washington justice of this season, and not like how Ju- Washington Justice was last season, but mm-hmm. how Washington justice is shaping up to be this season and why I I'm say confused. this is like they are. Absolute jails for potentially amazing players.
3: (laughs) Uh huh. Opportunity jail. I like it. Um, Bro, choice A1 and I know what you mean. I know what you mean.
2: (laughs) Man. That Uh... that Russell is not going to do shit, right? Am I wrong? Judge. I still. Uh...
1: (laughs) If they they don't achieve a lot, I think I look back at the coaching staff and I look back on yeah, more sure. internal sure. issues. I mean, that's cause it,
2: definitely a sector where team has had a, I a lot of
1: Because I, I look at last year's charge roster and I still think I expected them to do more. Um, yeah. And they started to get some good momentum towards the end, but mm. they had a couple of areas that they just massively failed on and um, they never adequately, adequately you know, filled the gap of... Mike Kaylee, oh, Did they? Like, I suppose no. Nah, Eileen Choi was a pretty decent juror. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll actually rewind on that. I I'll take that comment back. Actually, um, and yeah, I think their backline was pretty weak, and now they've got a bit more of an upgrade. I, I think Apex mm. is a bit more competitive. The, the fact that Valiant are bringing a competitive roster yeah. is quite scary for a team like the Charge.
2: I mean, okay, because sure. this Valiant get used to my be fence. a free win. This is my get off my fence. Is this a better roster than the Valiant?
1: yeah on, on talent on talent alone yes
3: not by much it's a pure, lot closer pure, than it
1: used to pure pound to pound talent yes
3: yep agreed i see i feel i feel very similarly about a different team that's uh pink and blue i feel like the spark or the justice of eight where they're just an absolute just you have the laundry list of who's who when it comes to like offseason like star pickups And then just somehow fumble the bag astronomically. Like somebody down bad at a strip club, like it's bad, bro. Like that was that last season fucking hurt my soul. Take me to church, like put me out to pasture. I was depressed. After last season, you have shy coming in. Homie doesn't even play. You had like to be fair, he
1: only he only missed two games. No,
3: I know. But still, it's Uh, like a travesty.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Spark's I, goofy, man. Spark is another team that got kind of riddled with management issues Agreed. that
0: yeah.
1: you know negatively impacted that team. Um but both both the Joe teams, we've talked about this before, both the Joe mm. teams are at high risk of being bottom two in APAC. Yeah. I still think I still think Valiant will be somewhere in the bottom half of APAC, but it's just unclear mm-hmm. where currently. Are they going to be last? Are they going to be second to last? Third to last? Are they going to be right in the middle? Hard to say. Um, but yeah, these those are the three teams currently in my bottom three uh, Charge Spark Valiant, right? So yeah. Charge have been improved. I actually when I look at these rosters from a pure talent perspective,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who do I like the most? Probably the Spark. And it scares me to say that because I think I agree with Joe that Spark, to me, feels more like, you know, where good talent gets wasted in the APAC region.
3: Sadly. That because that team, like, could be very good.
1: Because right now I look at this roster, I'm like, first of all, they've they've overkilled the tank position. They've got way too many tanks. But mm. then again, the embarrassment of riches, um, you know, even if you, even if you don't like Burner, which people don't, You saw Goose Red and Liga, who are are pretty damn good, even though Liga didn't get a chance to play at all last season for reasons. Um, Then you got Shy, who is a mega carry on this team. This guy is a phenomenal player. Shy with any of the other three options, Architect, Pineapple, or Alpha Yi. I suspect that my starting lineup out of this would be Shy Alpha Yi. That would be my choice. That's why we're we're coaching this team right now. Um, (sighs) Without having seen any of their current scrims or whatever. I don't even know if they are scrimming. Shy Alpha Yi to me, I think are the are the primary here. But um yeah on a pure talent perspective, that's fucking phenomenal. But even Charge, I mean, I think Charge are more front loader on DPS talent. Cause develop Eileen Choice of Juana is that's a that's... that's a nutty lineup. The rest of the lineup starts to not be as exciting. Uh even with the addition of Molly. Like Molly's good, but to me he's, he's I don't think anyone looks at Molly and expects this guy to be like an alarm level talent or you know or a fielder or an easy or any of those guys i think molly is going to be um a very solid talent but not we're not expecting him to be right at the top of the list Mm. which is why i'm saying charge to me is a front-loaded team on dps because i actually think i think Choi and develop could potentially get to that level i don't know if they're there now Choice Juan might have been held back by his team a little bit too much, but we've seen some with Choice Peaks and his it's, it's actually his mechanics are dominant. Um mm. I've seen how good developers as well. So he just needs to be actually starting on a lineup and have time to be scrimming with the starting lineup instead of just being a bench guy that came in halfway through his season to replace another bench guy. Um so yeah, his develop's season was so weird last year. It's it's kind of strange. But Charge don't have the tank supports, in my opinion, yeah. the match a team like Spark. So Charged, unfortunately, are looking like either second to last or last, even with the addition of Molly, which is quite sad, but also speaks to the improvement of the rosters across the board Mm -hmm. for APAC.
3: Yeah, agreed. It's, I think, most regions overall, or most regions, like, there's multiple outside of two, right? Like, um, I think overall, everybody's kind of leveled up um definitely gotten a lot more competitive at least on paper obviously that remains to be seen when we (laughs) skip ahead six months um but yeah i i I would tend to agree like this is a probably a, a a good shout for bottom team if valiant actually does step it up which it feels like they probably have a good shot too
1: um who do we have next
3: speaking of the valiant could go Va-
1: yeah, okay. We might as well go Valiant. Then Links are rumored to go to the Valiant. So I uh, I don't uh, think we talked too much in detail. I think we we felt like Links being wrote well, he was let go from the Chengdu Academy team with Chaser, which means either he was leaving, retiring, mm. Chengdu didn't want him anymore, or he managed to get on a team and he managed to get on a team. Well, he's rumored to have been on a team now, to get on a team. So he's on the Valiant. We'll be playing next to Coldus. No Mika, but it'll be Coldus-Lynxa, which is still pretty dang good. I take that to you. That's pretty good. Um, Next to Innovation, Dia, Becky, and also supposedly Wu-Yel is the current tank. So we actually have, based on that, we have a six-man roster for Valiant, if we include the rumors. Um, It's... It's a reasonable roster. I don't. I still don't know if it gets them past the halfway mark. No, Probably not. That's tough. I still think Valiant, Charge, Spark will have this interesting three-way mm. where they're all going to be fighting for not being last, obviously, but also they'll they'll be really competing hard against each other. I I feel is is my take on where this roster currently is. I think Linkster is a player that deserves a shot somewhere, but his options are pretty limited because he's a Chinese main support. Mm. and let's be real, Chengdu is your most likely destination. However, they already have two main supports. In fact, they got four total supports. They got two flex and two yeah. main supports. Still signed. Yveltal and Nisha are there. So there is no space for Links to rejoin that team. I think Links used to be on Chengdu proper uh, mm-hmm. a little while back in the day, but obviously his position has just been taken by two players now. There's no shot there. Um, Hangzhou Spark is, I think, the next best destination for a Chinese player because they have, right now, fifty percent Chinese roster. But Super Rich just joined that roster, so I mean, Links it wasn't going to go there either. Which basically leaves Valiant Charge and Charge usually have smaller rosters. Valiant seems like a pretty good choice considering. I think that's it's another it's another good fit. It's like to me, I look back at Merritt and Houston, and I feel like both teams get a win out of that in terms, or both parties get a win out of that in terms of what they're looking for right Mm -hmm. um this is a good place for legs to be because it's probably his last destination that's available um and also valiant are looking for a main support and if they want a chinese one this is probably the next one up i I don't know if they were going to get chinese one or a korean one possibility that valiant could have got a korean main support as well they're definitely open to Korean players this season, so very mm. out on what the other options were. Uh, looking back now, I don't even know if there, I don't even know if there are like a ton of amazing main supports main support still out there in Korea. Now look in uh, in the Western world. I mean, you, you there's a shitload of good main supports left in the Western world. In in Korea, it's not as a deep the depth of talent. Maybe is not huge for that particular role. Mm-hmm. So, Lengsa mm-hmm. seems to be a pretty good choice on that. And just as a fun aside as well, back in the day, I believe it was Packing 10 who was saying that he would have liked to have Lengsa on the Valiant in 2020. Well, two years later, with the Valiant moving to China, Packing Ten's wish has finally been achieved. There you go. On a full Chinese squad, well, not a full, but in near full Chinese squad now. Linkster finally made the Valiant.
3: <laughs> it seems. Like, fine. I think, you know, he was definitely somebody that kind of orbited the a lot of different Chinese teams back when I was covering it. And like, he was good. Definitely not the best, but like probably deserved a shout at Owl. And now that there's a little bit more space for Chinese talent. Yeah. Excited to see him play. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how obviously the tanks kind of file out if it is just you all. I am a little concerned. Um, I just don't know that he's going to be able to obviously solo it, which kind of leaves me hoping that he's not
1: he's meant be... to.
3: I'm he's I'm also hoping a coach. That...
1: Yeah.
3: Agreed. Yeah. So like, that's a lot. Um, and I guess, I don't know, in like a weird pipe dreamy sense, like I hope IGC just like leaves well enough alone and just gives the coaching staff like free reign. Doesn't really have much to say and just, lets them work because i think that's probably the best chance well, for valiant to actually like succeed
1: I just, he's not even managing the team it's lg true L- yeah he's managing right. the team yeah and by all accounts of you know comments through the grapevine mm. uh no hill has no hill has the full command of the ship you know he's steering
3: the boat currently
1: that's awesome so,
3: glad to hear that because we've seen what no hill can do and if he likes that's the other you
1: know, thing is any player that joins this team? I feel like gets a no hill buff.
3: Should yeah. So if it's the if same Lynx way that we look at rush and and yeah. you know, junk buck. Yeah, you should be looking at no hill as like a plus one, right?
1: Like Lynx is a, a pretty reasonable player, but with the no hill buff, he could be a pretty damn good player.
3: Hmm. Yep. When and then you take this roster and you say, well, it could be is it's shaping up to be pretty comparable against teams that kind of have like. What feels like minus ones when it comes to the management and the coaching staff, almost either not being there or just being <laughs> kind of like weird.
1: Just say you're talking about the two Joe teams, as you can say it, it's sparking Pretty much. <laughs> and, and
3: that's that's where it's like you're you're right. There is like this weird like menage mm. toi in, in the bottom of APAC where it's not gonna be a bye week, it's just gonna be a battle of like who maybe steals a win in a given meta against a top team who fumbles the bag against a bottom team, like it's going to be super competitive. And I think that's just good for the product overall. Right. I think that's fucking fantastic. And, and in a weird way, props to the Valiant for, for getting like a competitive team, which yep. doesn't seem to have cost them a ton. I think that's fair to say. Well,
1: I don't know how much they play. <laughs> well, I mean, it. true. Yes. Come know. No, yes. You've been full of hot takes today. What, what, what are your hot takes on the Valiant?
2: Mm, I mean, I, I think I said it before, but I think this this team will surprise, seemingly. I, I currently have them as a more solid so like bet. four, right? Yeah, as a more solid bet than both the Zhao teams. I don't think movie, Molly moves the needle much for me there. Mm. Um, Not high on him. N- not high on him. Um, ah! I see. I mean, we will see. The, the, man that the problem always with this is like we're talking about a probability game right
3: oh i thought we were talking about drugs
2: we <laughs> we are like in a scenario where i mean in all likelihood what is really going to determine which team is better is whose whose meta flavor actually becomes the strongest yeah, to play at at a certain course point in the season and who stands to gain most from that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like, for instance, let's say Hangzhou, uh, sorry, Chengdu's composition doesn't work as well as it did last year. I'm not sure they would have the same success, or they'd rather be like a team like the Washington Justice were last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, So, given that, I think like, this is that we are are never going to have a satisfying uh, resolvement of that situation, because, like, the probability of both of those events, A, like, Valiant being dead last, or, like, Valiant would have to need to be blown out like nobody's business, like, actually as bad as last year, in order to conclusively prove wrong that that take was uh, wrong. Or they would have to, like um be very very good in order to prove that that t- take was right from the beginning instead mm. of just like them being lucky of hitting like a specific like meta iteration that really suits their team and nothing else right so um
3: do you like, knock people for that though like do you knock people for just kind of like lucky into a meta
2: no i don't fault them i'm just i'm i'm faulting people saying like the results in the end, the end of the season will s- uh, have any say on the salience of the statement that we're making uh, at okay, the okay, moment, okay, okay. right? I yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's no, like, really. It's in the aggregate of all predictions we're making uh, in order to uh, predict like who's good. And as we've known, people are terrible at aggregating long-term performance, as proven by Platch's t- uh, top ten flex support ranking. So, <laughs> um no, but. Like in in actual fact, like I think the high the high probability just based on coaching and like tightness of uh, this roster and also the the sourcing of unappreciate underappreciated talent in this team will, for me, more likely produce a better roster than either the Hangzhou uh, or Guangzhou situation. So hmm. yeah, that's basically my point.
3: Fair play. <clears throat> All I heard was you hate Plachat.
2: Yeah, that is definitely the <laughs> <a> takeaway.
1: <laughs> don't don't worry, guys. Joe's still high on Molly. That's that's where he's currently. Yes,
2: free love, today. baby.
3: I um, love Plachat personally. I mean,
2: Avril is literally wearing sunglasses at night. So, <laughs>
3: so <laughs> by is. the way,
2: let me explain that. I was going to take some time. I'm
1: wearing my sunglasses again because Liquipedia and other parts of my screen are so are very really Just bright p- right now. Flashbang! Yeah, I yeah I am kind of getting flashbang, and <laughs> my eyes are still pretty sensitive because I'm in post-surgery recovery, mm. and it's like
3: it's probably best I can, I, have this I
1: can look. I'm not gonna sacrifice my eyes for the purpose of like trying to be funny enough, trying to be cool by not wearing sunglasses indoors at night. But look, I'm just gonna protect my eyes. I'm sorry, that's just how it's gonna have to be. I. That's where my priority is. You know, that 2012 and a half vision, I got to protect that shit. And, you know, that's on my bio now. So. 2012 Uh, and a half? Yeah. Damn. That's a real thing, 2012 and a half. Damn. So, my vision is good enough now Mm. that I'm looking all the way at NYXL. (laughs) And the fact that we all saw, I I looked in the past and I saw Kuki joining this team even before Halo Root leaked it. Shocking. I was like, I think I think Kuki might join this team. Yeah. And now he joined this team in what I think is the least surprising move of the entire offseason. Would we say this is the least surprising move? It's one of. It's right up there. Kuki yeah. is a first out on NYXL after everyone basically already knew anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of like the old Mayhem guys yes. joining NYXL with... Uh, who else is on this team now?
3: Yaki, Gai uh,
1: Yeah, so those uh, are some of the old Nahem guys yeah. um, Okay, you've got Kellen, Myungbong, Flora as well So you've, you've joined One returning player from New York um, A Dynamite Rookie in Kellen And then a pretty solid Flexport in Myungbong and then obviously Gai who we all know, pretty proven player And then Yaki who's also a pretty phenomenal Player in his own right And now this team has exactly five players. They've hit the minimum standard for how many people you need to get into the the first roster lock or the first like roster submission date. Uh, I believe they need six by the next, but six by March, something like that. Something like that. So Kuki, yeah, March first, I believe. So they're gonna have to get somebody else. Probably are gonna end up being a tank don't know who cookie's yeah. going to get on that one um who's the off tank was it gargoyle is gargoyle available
3: gargoyle. i believe so if he is not retired i believe he's up for signature i think he could
1: be i think gargoyle could
3: be a look yeah he think says he's active
1: cuz there's a few teams that don't have an off tank currently mm-hmm. uh soul is one of them true so It's either Kooky's gonna ring up the phone and and get his mates, you know. Kooky's career could be, like, following in the same trajectory as, like, a Rush or a Moon, where he's just, like, he's Christopher Nolan and he only hires people he's worked before with. So it's, like, (laughs) he has a very specific cast that he likes to work with, and that's it. So it's uh, Mother Kooky with all his kids. Um, And I can't,
3: you know, I can't blame anybody for, like, really leaning into that when you're going into such a chaotic like uncertain time with overwatch Two. like we don't know what this game's gonna be like i want to work with people who i know yeah so i think i know they're intangibles right i I would say say so yeah Yeah. i would say a lot of the the former mayhem guys that are still obviously active um are probably in discussions i would i would have to imagine you know with with all of the former players there it kind of just makes sense right um I, to me i don't think you need to do too much more but i also agree with your point that you made in a show previous that like yeah because they're moving back to na you probably need to overcompensate and, and build out a wider roster
1: yeah so, otherwise you're gonna have uh visa problems yeah you're gonna run into it I, I was like blah 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 it's eight players no excuse for new york it was who, which team was i talking about there was an another uh, team that was gonna have eight players and i was like Oh, Titans, yeah. If Titans are in eight players, if Vancouver's in eight players, New York has no excuse. Mm, That's what I said last week, and uh, I stick by it. So that being said, I think New York should get Gargoyle or someone like that, Mm. and then uh, one more DPS, one more support. They need a main support. If they want to really round out the roster, they need a main support, and they need... What else do they need? They have a hit scan, one proj. Most teams have gone for... Double flex. So maybe they need another flex. <clears throat> yeah, ideally. or someone that's or someone that's uh, flexible enough to also take some hit scan rolls. Just a few. So there's a bit of work there left to do. like I said, I mean they're looking for a Korean main support as well. And like I just said I don't know if there's any really outstanding yeah. ones left. So you'd have to dig in deep here. You'd have to really, you know, uh, this is going to test teams' abilities to do scouting properly. Mm. Because if you are a team that's not good at scouting and don't have a history of good scouting, you're in trouble. Like, for example, I think Brad would be fine. If you're Atlanta and you still haven't picked up X or Y players, he's got a great eye for for upcoming rookies. But a lot of teams, I don't know that they do. New York kind of have, but at the same time, somehow they fumbled that last year. Even though I think the rookies they did get last year were pretty damn good. I just uh, think it was
3: too much of a gamble last year. Like was I, it? I, I feel like you needed a little bit more like stability for that core. It couldn't have just been like, who was it? Just Jonak was like it was literally only made...
1: Jonak, yes. Yeah, like and now I it's feel literally like... only Flora. But then again, they're not getting a bunch of rookies.
3: It, exactly. The one. Like it had it had a lot of potential. Like I see that. I, I understand. But like you saw what Kalios brought. Once you inserted him at the end of the season and it was a whole fucking different team, right? Like it was fucking is, like, why didn't we get to see that all season? They were very sang, close to being good.
1: Sanguinar is not attached to the team, right? I think he's the next best. I don't
3: believe so. Yeah, I, I don't hate that I, at all.
1: If I was going to drop anybody's name right now, mm. and I've been known to drop names, <laughs> I would say that Sanguinar is currently my number one Korean main support pick of the of the players remaining. I like it. Mm. So there is potentially going to be I I would like to imagine there will be some sort of scramble for off tanks and main supports as mm-hmm. we head towards March yep. because it's the last like position for a lot of teams to fill. Now, here's another thing though. I would I would have imagined that most teams by now, which is the end of January, mm. probably expected or at least would have liked to have gotten their hands on the game, new game by yeah. now, because what you want to do, if you're smart, is you want to wait to get your hands on the game on Overwatch 2, play and figure out what it is you actually need, and then and recruit and fill the rest of your roster around that. Well, the issue is, we're two months, we're not actually two months, we're a month and a little bit, because we have all of February, which is actually a shorter month, and then 1st of March... Is the is the cut, cut off right? So you actually yeah. you actually just have one month. Realistically, you have one month from now to figure out what you need. And I mean Ross and ne- like contract negotiations take time, which means you don't have time to play Overwatch to figure that shit out anymore. You just have to sign someone now. You have to already start if you are if you're fighting for a guy like Sanguina, which multiple teams might be going for, you're in his DMs today. Yep. You're in his DMs yesterday, actually. Yeah. preferably. So you, that that strategy of waiting to play the game is gone, which is quite sad because I think most teams would have liked to have tested the game mm-hmm. to figure out what they need before they are forced to sign another player. But yeah, here we are.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I mean, if we're if we're putting our ballot on Sanguinar, I definitely don't hate like a Sanguinar Gondam jin backline with like an aggressive, you know, tempo. I I like it a lot. I, I like what I'm seeing. I think New York again. Scarily good in NA. Got a lot of teams to beat up on. A lot of teams that just historically just don't perform. No matter what what kind of resources you throw at them.
1: I'm just saying so. they should get him, but you know, knowing New York, sometimes they'll just pick up a Friday. <laughs> I don't hate Friday, but it's just it's probably one of their more sure let like down kind of players. But they'll 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 probably end up getting like I mean, who else is there? They'll get like Olbam or somebody, you know, they'll just get some some dude that's just like, yeah, you existed. We'll a spot filler. You know what happens. You know, okay. like, yeah, I can see that. I can totally see that happening. A few of those. Some, hey, somebody's gonna have to get a dude. You know, not everyone's <laughs> gonna get the next best option. Some Agreed. team out there is gonna like, fuck. There's no options. There. I'm just gonna have to get a dude. A dude.
3: That's a, that's a <laughs> sick name. I wish. I wish somebody's gamer tag was just a dude. Can we rename? Yeah, somebody? I don't want
1: to. I don't want to encourage. A dude you with a 5K. We already got someone. We already got someone called someone joining the league. True. All right, we we've, we have a we have a quota for awful names to say as a caster, uh, and we've actually overfilled. The quota is actually zero, so we've actually overfilled that quota already.
3: Player called there.
1: Do we have any comments on Kookie as a coach? Is there anything we we are concerned about, maybe dislike about that, or are we just kind of okay? We're like we're pretty. Cool with Kuki. I I feel like from his time in Runaway, I still hmm. look on that time fondly. Yeah. Obviously, the Mayhem season kind of rains on that parade a bit.
0: Little
1: uh, bit. So, do we have any doubts about Kuki's ability due to Mayhem's failures of this past season, of the last season, or are we mostly in a position where we're like, yeah, we'll give him another shot? I think Kuki was fine.
3: I'm definitely of the latter mind. Um, I think when you have a player that like needs time to themselves, that really like does something to the team dynamic. Um, strategically, I thought he was always pretty sound again, going back to Runaway, Um, and yeah, I guess my big question is like, does his past, how much of his past kind of reflects in some of the, their next signings. Right. Um, can can we kind of spot that from a mile away or you know are are there going to be some some players brought over with uh with the old mayhem crew but yeah i would give them another shot definitely i think it's worth it
0: cool well that concludes
1: uh unless you're scared something to add to that nope that uh concludes discussion on movements i mean to be fair this was not just kooky i just uh do a quick check on the nyxl twitter uh this was a full staff announcement when we're mainly talking about Kuki because he's like the main guy yeah but it's um it's undine is still is the assistant coach nugget returns he's the gm unknown returns he's a player manager so but beyond that the main talking point is definitely kooky so uh just to Get some accuracy in there though, there's definitely more people in that management staff announcement. We'll watch guess, fondly in terms of how
2: they progress. I guess the one thing that I will say about Cookie, good job of on getting Yaki. If you know, you know. <laughs> if you're a real one, you know. So I mean look
1: you know, sometimes sometimes when you're when you're Chris Nolan, you just get to take Tom Hardy with you to every movie or I don't even know if that's an actor that he uses all the time. He uses at least use them at least in inception. Um, you, know, you get to you get sometimes you just get to your moon and you just get to take X and Y player with you wherever you go. Yep. Or your mm-hmm. Rush and Sparkle just follows you wherever you go. So <laughs> hey, Yaki Kookie, they got that going on as well. Um next up, we're gonna be addressing the recent clip that made rounds on Overwatch-related and overwatch related social media from DJ Wheat, who, if you don't know, um, was... What was his official position in Twitch? He worked in Twitch for over a decade in, like, a super high-up position. Um, Mm -hmm. I might look it up, actually, because I don't want to be... Head of
2: Twitch Community Productions.
1: Yeah. uh, 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 Director... Of creative development at Twitch is, is oh, okay. what I'm getting right. from uh, his Wikipedia. And apparently he was also part of the founding team of Twitch as well back in 2011. So he was there for 11 years, 2011 to 2022. So yeah. it's a very tenured guy at Twitch. And also, if you, anyone that has been around esports long enough or has at least somewhat delved into esports, you know, prior to 2010s, uh, he was also a commentator from a while back as well and and, and a pretty well-known figure. Uh, anyway, the point of this is that DJ Wheat had a clip on his stream where he talked about the fact that he was pretty against the Overwatch League exclusivity deal that Twitch came through with and felt like it was not a good move. And now, obviously, after the fact, it's quite vocal about the fact that, you know, he's, he does have a bit of, like, a, I, I told you so, kind of attitude in the clip, maybe justify, but yeah, he's saying, like, the amount of money that Twitch paid was not worth that deal back in 2018 for exclusive broadcast rights to the Overwatch League.
2: Right. Yeah, and I mean, it probably wasn't, it it really depends on the, um... On whatever tale was on that, because it wasn't just for the Overwatch League, it was also for the CDL, and it was also for... Uh, not CDL, uh, sorry... Oh. Uh, Uh, It must have been Hearthstone at the time. And then uh, I guess like the potential of the CDL down the line was probably at least discussed. And then also, Mm -hmm. I mean, if there is any, if we give any credence to that rumor, also that all Blizzard games were potentially connected to that. And then they would probably also entail the Activision games, which include COD and Warzone at the time. Which later on pre- became pretty big on the platform for a brief moment of time, right? So that all plays into the entire equation. Um, depending on what what facts you consider in there, this makes more or less sense. Mm-hmm. Even though probably in hindsight, it says it probably doesn't too ma- make too much sense unless you believe that Twitch could have lost their uh, market lead to other platforms that would have acquired at the time, even though I will say, like, not only did we not get exclusivity after YouTube signed the deal, uh, from, from like, you know, all Activision and Blizzard games are still broadcastable on Twitch, because, like, in Blizzard's interest to allow that as well. And this, mm. this bluff that seemed to be on the table there paid off for Blizzard big time, Um, because I don't think they would have... I mean, okay... Let me say this differently. I think they would have considered it and because they would have been out of touch enough to consider this. But um, I don't think it would have played off or would have been enforced for that long. Um, in, in total, I think a lot of people... Um, in the space, in the know at the time, like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of it, of the old eSports heads feel validated in this. I think also the the information of this was probably, I mean, it's not too big of a surprise that I think uh, Slasher even reported on this being the case. I think Richard Lewis reported on, um, like, it, Twitch internals not being too happy about that. I feel like we didn't learn terribly much other than maybe the number that was associated to it. Mm-hmm. Um... I also think that we possibly have to consider that this is a highly biased take from Wheat there, but also an educated one of an old head that has been around for a long time. Yep. Um, which, I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to that viewpoint always. Um. I also think, like... Whatever, like, deal... We, we only ever get, like, the... The full circumference of that deal. And Mm. it's, for instance, like the YouTube deal. What did they say? It's, like, worth uh, 90 million or something for... YouTube? Yeah. Was it 90 or 150? Okay. But it isn't just, like, in monetary, uh, like, values. You're not being paid that dollar amount. You're getting access in order of that to a decent degree through servers. Right? We know that to be true. So... Like it is in both parties' best interest to bunch the to inflate the number of that deal as well, which is why you would be skeptical of that. Not only has, uh I mean, it makes sense for Activision to bloat that number in order to uh, feign more significance, but it's also in the interest of YouTube and Google to a uh, larger extent to have that size of the deal as to not deflate the value potential value that their server cost uh, could be evaluated at while probably costing them a fraction of what the actual, you know, the production fraction of what, right? It's just like creating free value in that uh, comparison there. So with all that said, um, I think the ability of Blizzard's sales team is demonstrated on both of those sorts uh, fronts. Yep. I don't think, like, if people, and I'm not sure, I don't think it was ever public, but the Morgan Stanley import, in, in hindsight, looks absolutely comical, dude. Like, in what was estimated. In, like, in no way was this ever a realistic uh, estimation. This was like a... Like... Like, some of those... uh, Values have been undershot by magnitudes in terms of the sponsorship deals expected for especially Mm. individual teams to be be shot at. But also, at the time, like, people actually in the eSports space were likely to give you the more realistic numbers that we're now arriving at. Mm. So in in general, I, like, weed saying it out loud is just like injecting it into the content cycle or into the public discussion. I wasn't the least bit surprised by that statement, to be fair. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's something that's internally makes a lot of sense. I think, like, um, it's, it's a hard, it, it's, once again, the 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 bare case here is that probably that ability to finagle those deals isn't gone uh, mm. yet. I think there are currently a couple of uncertainty vectors that sales could definitely use to their um, advantage. Mainly the recent acquisition uh, acquisition by Microsoft, uh, Overwatch two coming out. So whatever deal needs to be finagled for the next time this is up, which, to my knowledge, if I don't recall incorrectly, is after this season, we could theoretically get it back again, maybe. Right? Maybe. Big maybe. The question is from where? Who is not wise to this trick? Right? Facebook. I mean... No, please. (laughs) No, dude. You're...
1: That sounds so cursed. Um... (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it will be a bag. It's just like <clears throat> that need to be a deal. bag. I don't know what it needs to be. I, I think the the financial teams of the different parties know what that's supposed to be. Um, but that's a record deal. 90 mil. Is it 190? Because it's the report that we read said 90. But then DJ White comes out and says 100. So I don't know anymore. But anyway, that deal. For two years for Twitch to buy exclusive broadcasting rights is unreal because I don't think Twitch has also done that ever. They've never paid for exclusive broadcasting rights from anybody. Um and then I don't think they ever will again. But based on what I what I what I know, they're they're definitely not gonna do that again either, because they've kind of learned the lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I personally also don't think that exclusive broadcasting rights is the correct way to go for this esport and for most esports because maximizing reach and maximizing viewership to me is a priority now mm-hmm. i'm not disclaimer here i'm not a gigantic business guy and i'm not i haven't seen the financials and i haven't you know i don't have the full context on what the financial needs are for either this esport or others so there is a lot of speculation on what i'm talking about but I'm taking. I'm definitely taking some liberties and making educated guesses here, but from my perspective as an objective outsider looking in, um, <clears throat> I I think the the correct way to go is to have no exclusive broadcasting rights, maximize your viewership and your reach as much as possible, and then lean on using that reach and using that viewership to get into sponsorships and in you know, other other things that come with high viewership is. is well as I think uh, reputation is heavily tied to viewership as well. Like people view and when I say people, I mean just general public. I'm not talking about like financial advisor or anything, but people view uh, your view accounts and general popularity of the league as, as metrics for how healthy and successful your league is. And I, on some level, that's stupid, but on another level, you have to take that into account. And that, that's something you do have to... Really look at and can't ignore. Uh, And so I think we're in the state right now where we've had several years on YouTube. We're about to finish. This will be the last year on YouTube this year, currently in 2022. This season will be the last year of YouTube. Um, The viewership has been steadily increasing since we started on YouTube, but it's still, you know, slim in comparison to where it was on Twitch. And that's not saying like we should specifically go back only on Twitch. We should just broadcast everywhere. You know, you look at, Esports like League of Legends and, you know, other, other esports that don't have exclusive broadcasting rights and they do just broadcast everywhere. It's like, man, they get, you can get so much more viewership just by doing that. You mm-hmm. can get the same amount. You, we, I, I firmly believe for Overwatch League, we could keep the same amount of viewership we currently got on YouTube, but then double that again simply by being on Twitch at the same Twitch. time, right. you know? So I don't think we would lose viewership by getting off of YouTube, especially not with a new game coming out and a big marketing push. We would gain mm-hmm. on both platforms. Um, But then you come into the argument of like, well, and you know, Yisko was saying maybe there's a possibility of getting another bag. It's like, well, is the bag just too attractive? If there is a possibility of getting another bag, and, and for what it's worth, by the way, I don't know how confident the rest of the market is to give that bag based on the fact that Twitch were obviously not pleased, as we see from DJ Weird and also what we can gather internally from Twitch and their comments and if you read between the lines of them basically not wanting to ever do that. Kind of exclusivity deal again. You know, you're definitely not pleased about it. You're definitely not pleased about it if you didn't re-sign that deal again with the Overwatch League in the third season, and you're Mm. no longer signing that deal with anybody ever. So, like, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that Twitch weren't super happy about that. Um, my point is based on that, and based on kind of Overwatch being in a bit more of a floaty space and. With a little less confidence even with overwatch to come out that's so speculative and you don't that's a gamble right you, you you'd have to be if you want to drop a, a quote-unquote bag for broadcasting rights you'd have to be gambling here uh mm-hmm. and i don't know where the confidence is i feel like almost the the wider market has a bit more power now than blizzard does or overwatch does because back in 2018 back in 2017 whenever they sold the deal Overwatch was a massive deal back then. It was a massive, humongous game. Global phenomenon. Um, Blizzard could not have had a bigger success. And they held a lot of power in that regard. It's a bit of FOMO. I know that the the sales team from Blizzard definitely exercised FOMO as a way to get companies like Twitch to buy in. Because you don't want to miss out. Hey, it's the Overwatch League. You don't want to miss out. And then Twitch is like, fuck, we can't miss out. And then they bought it. And I don't know that that exists anymore.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but like you said, I don't know if it's a bad thing. Um, A lot of room to grow, a lot of, you know, pluses to gain with being on Twitch, I guess. Like, obviously, like you said, diversifying and, and having as many, you know, uh, streams of viewership open as possible definitely helps. Um, Even I still think Twitch in general has some intangibles that YouTube just doesn't have. Uh, especially when it comes to discoverability and it being the most dominant platform in the space, right? Uh, Obviously, that is, I think it's changed a little bit, but I don't know that people are going to YouTube for live streams yet, if that makes sense. Like, I think it's a growing space, but I don't think that, like, the stranglehold that Twitch has has really let up. Um, So knowing that, like, I can find any kind of esports content I want on Twitch, I think definitely would bode well for us um and yeah like you said i i could see them taking a bag if it's too attractive i can see them um in a kind of ideal world maybe just kind of diversify um whatever works i guess i'm I'm also kind of sad that we didn't get more uh uh, more of a, a, a long term stay with Twitch because I thought the package in general that you got with like the yeah. Overwatch League, uh, you know, uh, command center, I thought that was a great deal. And I'm pretty sure that was Twitch's front. Um, if, I thought that was also super cool. So I wish that I, was- I love the
1: command center, but the, the problem here, Joe, is like you, uh, either, at either 90 or 100 million over two years, which is either 45 mm. or 50 million per year, at that price point. You are not you're not signing for three years or four years in a row. I think two oh, sure. years is already like, you know, the best middle ground of like one year is a little bit non-committal. Mm. Three years is too much money and it feels like you're too committed. Sure. So two is the best like middle ground for like we want to test the waters, but mm. we don't want to beat around the bush either. So we're gonna we're gonna, you know, at least put up a front like we are gonna commit at least somewhat. Mm. Um I just don't think. You know, yeah. First of all, I don't think anyone's going to drop a major bag. Second of all, I don't even think we should take it. I I I legitimately Mm -hmm. think the best course of action is to go play the field, broadcast everywhere at once, and just widen your scope of viewership as much as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Go from there, because I think a long term, long term success requires that you have a reputable esport that people like want to watch and. Feel like it's something that's popular and cool because you want to be part of the cool kids club. You want to be doing the, the thing that other thing. people think is cool. Yeah. Um. And that's just how human nature is, especially yeah. if you're a school kid. In which you know we got we really got kids watching the esports a lot. Um, and then beyond that, I you know you can you can grow you can grow viewership into greater sponsorship. I mean, just follow the League of Legends model. Here's the problem.
3: I
2: agree. I think that's a way more likely. Way to uh, make this sustainable, sustainable long term. I think just like five years in, it is a pretty hard sell to say, yeah, we're not going to take that ninety mil over two years or whatever. No one's paying that anymore. Yeah, sure, but no one's going to pay that. Let's say twenty mil, even. And let's let's be honest, there are currently people moving in the space that don't care about making money. Sure. And that offer will come probably. And I'm not sure if we're in a position to, uh, to turn that down. Like, you're, you're putting a lot of... I think, yes, like, theoretically speaking, if you believe in the reboot with Overwatch 2, if you want this to be, like, an actual Tier 1 esports and not just something that is already in the squeezing phase of, like, mm-hmm. trying to get the most out of a dying product... Um, but at the same time, like, I understand that, like, five years in, you don't want to regress in your monetization models. I will say, though, that the externalities of all of that, mainly positively, like, are so good for everything. Like, beyond, like, what will be directly monetizable to you, in terms of the, um, the monetization directly through the leak what it mm. will foster will be more content creators because, like, everything else on the internet in terms of content creation works on numbers, right? Yep. With very mm. few exceptions, like products like S- Substack where, or P- Patreon, where you can survive on, like, a high-quality, low number of fans, but high-loyalty, high-paying customer each, right? That is not mm. an esports fan, what I'm just describing, right? So the, the alternative is to go full mass. I think, like, full mass and, okay, by the way, disclaimer, this is hugely beneficial towards my book, right? Like, that's what unarguably my my opinion here is biased, because I stand to directly uh, benefit from a strategy that would see a way more open, way more um focusing on high amount of volume of viewers over quality of viewers quality measured by uh spending per viewer mm-hmm. um than than the alternatives right so the the idea then is um if that was the case right more content creators could create content, could make for a richer experience, could make for a more sticky experience, could make for a more deep experience where people actually base their identity on, uh, a part of their identity on your game. Fandoms Mm -hmm. create themselves around them. Like, actually, the stickiness that you want out of the franchise model, that is currently just, like, it seems to be waning in terms of the loyalty that, that you're expecting. Um... You probably also want the the masses of online engagement based on the uncertainty because of COVID, right? And the potential of variant after variant after variant, we're sitting here for three more years. Mm-hmm. Theoretically speaking, even though like, you know, fingers crossed that is not the case, right? And it becomes endemic. But these are all factors you need to uh take into account for your next step, right? And I think there's also an argument to be made that the immediate profitability is probably, there's probably less pressure on you because, like, of the acquisition of Microsoft and them going, like, okay, everyone breathe. We're exchanging higher management anyway. We're not expecting like huge moves and like huge boom, boom, boom deals immediately. Um, Maybe something like this is uh, possible. Mm -hmm. So, comparatively speaking, um. Let's. Ho- hopefully, we're getting a much more large scale approach, where we're streaming on all p- streaming platforms, where we are having F two P models, trying to mm-hmm. increase the amount of people I- actively involved in forging long term, long term, uh, connections. Dude, like I recently like. A fr- okay, this is a weird anecdote and tangent to go on, right? But the value of that only presents itself down the line. So I have a friend who's like a yep. huge nerd and like if you c- get into his apartment, like his walls are just framed with memorabilia from his favorite video games from like 20 years ago. There mm. he has like a Game Boy and you know, that type of stuff. It gets harder to make these um, connections, right? Like what, mm. what would, like just think, what would a kid in 20 years have in, in his uh, cabinet there? It would probably be in Fortnite X or something like that, right? Yeah. You want to be that game that that is in someone's cabinet in 20 years, that has like this cultural implant, long lasting. That's something that down the line, that's a long term business model that works for you, right? Overwatch could have been that. Keys to be that could be that again, Mm -hmm. right? Like, the the yep. power of the IP has been demonstrated and to a degree, dude, like, Warcraft is that for me. I still have my Warcraft 2 uh, CD here. mm mm-hmm. Right? Um, no, it's actually not on my windowsill I anymore. Mean, but, like, that... I think the value of that, we're currently not attracting that necessarily because we don't have the, the accessibility of that younger generation that can free-to-play into this, that can like has a lot of friends that play it. I don't know any kid that plays this, dude. Warzone is something else. Like, Warzone I have, because of the free-to-play model, I have a bunch of uh, kids I teach that still like, connect there with that. We need these approaches more. We need to sort of restart that. And if that's not part, or if that's not possible with a franchise model, well we, then we die, kill the franchise model, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's like, I think with the size of the company that Microsoft is, that's a viable strategy. They don't as, as weird as that sounds, they probably don't need that to make uh, immediate payoff, and they'd probably much more oh. be interested in, in that uh, in the long-term investment. And we see that other players equally think uh, about this this way, right? So, okay. Uh, long story short, once again, highly biased take, but I really hope we, we open up and become a cultural phenomena again and not this yep. niche, niche thing that tries to get $11 per head out of the guy instead yeah, of $1, you know? Yes, like, yeah. the, it's it, it's it was a cool strategy that could have been attempted that fosters like deeper experiences by being in the venue and whatnot. Tough hmm. shit, dude. We wouldn't have made it even if COVID wasn't here. That We're yeah. not there yet. We're moving into virtual spaces, adjust to it and go for the scalability of your product instead. Highly uneducated opinion that stands to gain from it massively. Because our business models and journalism are fucked, and I need numbers. Like,
1: <laughs> I think everyone, I think everyone, uh, you know, gets, gets to see improvement and gets to see benefit from numbers. Mm. Numbers. There's, there's a lot of intangibles there with numbers that you don't really think about. I mean, just stuff I've listed, like just people's perceptions of your product improve with numbers. Mm. You know, and that's a that's a in, You can't put a dollar sign next to that. No, like, yeah, it's just an intangible thing that you have to. Uh, that actually means a lot. I mean, the power of critical mass is unbelievable. Like you, the more people that are drawn, like the more people you have, the more people you continue to get that are drawn to your product. Like the bigger you are, the bigger you continue to get. It's unbe- it's That's just how it is in terms of momentum. Mm. So, I really hope that Microsoft and I mean, they're not, to be fair, Microsoft aren't even going to be coming into the equation.
0: Yeah,
1: until June next year, maybe at the earliest, and and by that time. The Overwatch League is going to have to already have made decisions, like the next season, the 2023 season, whatever that looks like, if it happens, if it doesn't happen, if it's, you know, got broadcasting rights, if it doesn't, and we're just doing whatever, like that season, in terms of its decisions, will need to have been decided on this year, yeah. well before Microsoft even enters the equation. So, yeah, there's a few things that play there. I think in the super long term. I'd like to believe and you know, agree with you that Microsoft have a bit more of a longer term vision for something like the Overwatch League, but in the short term, I, I don't know, I don't know where things are going just yet. But I like mm-hmm. to believe that with the with the reboot of the franchise, with the new game, the big marketing push, there is room for a new strategy, uh, and a different strategy than than what we've had. Also, I, I think we've moved away from some of the personnel uh, that yeah. really favored the more like you know nfl right. traditional Tea, yeah. television let's yeah, do this live. old school you know the the are of this company are gone yeah uh, so you know the pvs Goodbye. are gone you know we are not doing we're not doing the old school traditional tv nfl kind of bs anymore yeah. you have to be doing an esport if you are doing an esport fucking an e-sport. do the esport please be yeah. an esport don't try and be something that's not an esport just be an esport fuck it you're you're full of you're your demographics are gamers and nerds. Just be honest about it. It's not, that's not a negative thing. Nope. Just be honest about what you are and who you are and what you're doing and just do that. Like nope. I, I, I'm, I hate this sort of pretentious behavior where we're trying to pretend to be something we're not, which is why last year's Overwatch League was the most enjoyable season, I think, mm. to watch yet. I mean, that's debatable for some people, but I think most people would agree with that statement because we should stop pretending. We stopped pretending to be the NBA. We just started embracing... The fact that we're a fucking video game sport. Like, that's what it is. Again, not a negative thing. It just is what it is. And there's no point beating around the bush about it. Um, and the more we align with that, the better the product will be. And so I wish more people watched last season because we had a great, we had, in, in terms of the actual tone, the content, and the production of the last season, it was probably one of the best seasons that we had. Um, you know, we didn't have the scale of the first couple of seasons in terms of how big sure. everything was and the full man. Yeah. I mean, COVID causes a lot of problems in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. But with with the resource that we had, we put, we made a, a fucking kick-ass show and something I'm proud of. Um, and the only thing we missed was all the people, and I'm sure we had a lot of people watching that. Those people would have appreciated where the direction of the league has gone and will continue to go. I at least I hope so. So um, yeah, okay, mistakes were made. Twitch regret paying that much money for a broadcasting right. Uh, and, you know, I think everyone can look back on that and say, even, I think even people within the Overwatch League can look back on that and say, yeah, Twitch probably paid too much, but, Mm. you know, that's credit to the Blizzard sales team for being able to somehow get Twitch on board with that, which is, again, a historical deal that we'll look back on in history, like, do you know that once upon a time Twitch (laughs) paid X and Y for some eSport? Like, holy shit, I can't believe they did that. Um, But I just, I don't think broadcast rights align well with what esports is in terms of what what the view is who the viewers are the, the demographics and what they want mm. they are we're talking about kids we're talking about young people we're talking about people who want to watch for free at the end of the day esports is a free product that will likely forever until the end of time be a free viewing experience and you want to monetize a free viewing experience well you got to find better ways of doing that than what Yiska was saying, where like in your example, like you're not charging eleven dollars per head here. You got to find a better way of monetizing your audience uh, in a broader sense. So that's where I stand. I think we've all, yeah, kind of okay. dropped our own big takes on that.
2: Or you got to revolutionize the way esports is viewed by some additional experience that people are willing to. Uh, pay for. Metaverse,
1: boom, boom, boom. No. They- <laughs>
2: It's probably it like my only idea would be a VR experience, um which doesn't necessarily mean metaverse. Oh what? VR virtual yeah. reality. Or uh, AR, okay. if you want. Um, sure. Um something may, maybe this but whatever essentializes the experience of watching sports with a lot of people and really accentuates that to the fullest ability. Like it's very, very a very nebulous term. If I had that idea, I'd be sitting on my uh, couple guess. of million. But yeah, like like
1: like VR chat, and you show up with your VR chat avatar in a big stadium, and you will watch it together.
3: <laughs> that's what I'm talking about.
2: A little bit cringy, but in yeah. time, it's like, oh my god. That's yeah, I mean, I, I think experience. about uh, about that a lot. I'm not sure if that's the experience though. Um, I don't know, but like.
3: You need official Overwatch League V2 Bro, I, I already... That's s- what I want.
2: I told you already that it is really annoying that I need to sit in my Discord and go uh, two times check, two times check, like have everyone sync up the actions so one in the go- uh, guys in the call isn't getting the annoying buffers on yeah. YouTube and goes like, oh my God, Carpe! I'm like, huh? Huh? What? Oh my God, Carpe! And have like delayed like experiences while watching with people online right that like mm. that shouldn't be the case it, there should be some streamlined experience and like other publishers at least try to be innovative with like go tv sure. in the past and like you know that that type of stuff i think like once again I, I don't know i sound like a broken record at this point but i really like the approach of like trying to get like a and a stadium atmosphere going with the with voice feature that they had in, in Blizzard. I think it w- the actual, there's, there's two ways. I'm going to repeat the argument because I think it's worth making. But for those that don't know, during Overwatch League Finals, I think in season three, we had like the ability to cue oh, yeah. yourself into like a virtual sta- space where voices were like very silently overlaid basically like in a stadium atmosphere, and then theoretically as a huge play happened, it would then, like, like, the aggregation or, like, the every voice coming together should create a moment. Problem being, either the, the there was no synchronization between, like, whatever the person saw on the screen and, like, when they react, and therefore, like, it was just a mush of white noise of people just talking over each other and the peaks in their reaction wasn't actually synchronized, or people don't watch Overwatch with that much intent and actually, like, big moments probably pass them by as we were oh, watching. no,
3: they do. They do. As somebody who has seen Overwatch live, people people are paying attention. People are are yeah. actively listening, almost to a fault. I don't know how many times I would hear people be like, you know what the San Francisco Shock need to do? They need to go Bastion. I think Bastion's the play. Yeah, yeah. I, they're they're not playing enough Bastion, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, can you he, keep your fucking hands out of my room, please? Thank you.
1: <laughs> the, the... So, Joe, you're talking about you're talking about viewing Overwatch in a live setting, you know, in a, like a stadium or something, right? Correct. That's what you're yes. Talking about. Yeah, I think in that setting, you're far more likely to be.
3: Sure. Yes, it's, in it's moment, inherently biased. Rather than sure.
1: like, rather than like, if you're online, you get distracted. You got Twitter open on one screen, you got like some Twitch clip in the other screen. You know what I mean? Like, you're, mm. you're probably far more distracted at home, which is why you're leading yep. to more of like a less focused experience. I almost wonder, like, you know, where the evolution of viewing goes because I think that prior to COVID, there was a big push for live viewing, and we were going to make some serious strides. When I say we, I mean the entire esports industry um you know weekly live studio audiences for LCS mm. uh every single Overwatch League game was live and you know we would have and again we being all of esports have big stadium matches for important games and playoffs stuff like that and we started to fill out you know massive venues and all that kind of stuff and it was we were hitting into a very live kind of arena as far as viewing experience goes like that was a priority everything had to go live eventually Whereas now in a post-COVID world, I feel like that's not a certainty anymore. I, I think I'd I'd like to go back to that because I think the live view experience of an esport is the premier way to view it still. Mm. But how do we get to a point where, you know, depending on where COVID goes, mm. if if there's still a lot of online stuff, how do we move that into a place where that can be a little bit more engaging? And that's where I feel like Yeske had a lot of say on that and uh you know, it is a very interesting thing to think about.
2: You know what what I just want? I just want to be able to do this during uh viewing Overwatch League. Just kiss the home. Wait, is it <laughs> <laughs> You guys oh, didn't George, see it. down here? Yeah, no, um, down there. no, you see the preview, that's why you just didn't see it. <laughs> I'll do it again yeah. for you guys. Hello. Right. No, that's creepy. That was creepy. It really is, right? Uh,
3: okay. I think yeah, he spat awesome. on me.
2: I don't know. Pretty much.
3: For yeah. her audio listeners, his green screen reaches into my, for whatever reason, my uh, screen region, and uh, he's uh, invading my privacy and popping my personal you bubble. You never know. I'm high on Molly. I might just kiss you. You better watch out.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs>
3: All right. He immediately shut down. He's like, "Oh boy." Oh boy.
1: So I think that's uh, so I think that's a very uh that was an interesting discussion, a good topic. Um probably the final like ma- major topic of this week's show though, uh, just a couple of footnotes for other things that have kind of happened, but we're not gonna fully get into Activision Blizzard have announced have they announced they've they've announced they're working on a survival
2: game currently, yeah. which to a me is like
1: <clears throat> you know, is it is it Blizzard
2: Rust? Like that's what it sounds I, I like. I to heard me. it's uh bent it with the, the Forest. Face. No, I think it's based on uh, Overwatch Contenders. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ!
1: Um, and then they so so basically be in Korea is the only way you can win. Yeah, men. literally. Um, so Find that's one. Island. That's one footnote. The other footnote is Mikey Barr, the current president of Blizzard, uh, said that there will be some announcements coming in the next week about Blizzard products, including Warcraft and Overwatch, and maybe Diablo. Uh, but because there's nothing really to talk about and we can spend time speculating about But I feel like it's kind of pointless, because uh, you know at that point it could it could literally be anything. You know, it could be it could be completely nothing. It could be really cool. Uh, it's almost not worth speculating on. So we're gonna pass that by. We'll give it a bit of a nod, acknowledge that it exists, but we'll wait until next week. And hey, if 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 that happens before next week's episode, that'll be great content for next week as well. Um so the final thing we're going to end on today is Lovely. a little bit of Joe's favorite game show Get off the fence. We'll take so, uh, a few questions. Yeah. Uh we've already passed the 2 hour mark for this episode so we'll try and finish this one around the 2:30ish kind of mm. mark. So we'll we'll only do a, a you know we'll do a couple a of quick small, ones. We'll do a small number of questions here and yeah. then leave the rest for next week.
3: For sure. So, yes, get off the get off the fence. I don't know why my brain was like, get off the track. I'm like, I don't know what that is, chief. Off uh, the get off track. the track. Yeah, off the beat track. Um, if you want to ask us a question for this segment, um, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Uh, if you are a patron of any level, you can throw a question to us in discord. Um, I'll add it to my magical list of many questions whom picasso dominates um and whatever it is we'll we'll eventually get to it um obviously do we try to you know vary up the list and you know try to answer as many different questions as possible so uh with that in mind um we're gonna head over to we'll start with avril for this one i think you'll be interested with this um We'll start with a question from RD11490 um, from our Discord. They ask Would a pick ban system, I guess ban only system, have saved Overwatch esports or ruined it? So they're asking if a pick or ban system would have saved Overwatch esports. Do you have any hot takes on that? Does your f- butt well. hurt sitting on the fence?
1: Funny enough, we already did have a ban system. We literally had hero pools. That's that's True. by definition, a ban system. Now, the only I would, difference...
3: I would guess that they're, without hijacking the question, I would guess that they're probably asking, like, individual teams banned yeah. specifically so, against So
1: getting to that point of the, uh, the discussion is, hmm. is like, well, yeah, I, I think it would have been better handled by the teams rather than by the league. Now, there's some pros and cons. The pros of the league handling it is that it's a little bit more. It's a little bit easier to digest for viewers, especially more casual viewers. Like, it's easy, like, okay, well, for this set period of time, okay, it's season three is ridiculous. It's like week by week it changed, and that's not fun for anyone. But you could still argue that despite it changing week by week, that's still more digestible than it changing game by game or map by map. Um, From a competitive integrity standpoint, it is far better to allow the teams to Mm. be the ones that dictate bans if we're going to do bans at all. I am of the opinion that we don't want to do bans at all. We shouldn't need bans. In an ideal world where the meta is fluid enough, which we actually got at May Melee. May Melee last year was the most fluid meta and the most open meta we've ever had in Overwatch where no hero, not a single hero, for like I think the first time in the league's history was above 50% playtime. Tracer was at like 49, 48% playtime, or something like that. But was not was not at 50. And no hero was even close to that. So that's about as balanced and as diverse of a meta you could possibly hope for. Mainly of uh, 2021 here that I'm talking about. And there was a real discussion that took place internally of whether we wanted to actually have hero pools for that year or not. And obviously... Depending on that decision, if you were going to have hero pulls, uh, you were going to maintain it for both the June Joust and then also, is it Summer Showdown? Or count uh, Countdown Cup was the other one. Yeah, you'd have a Countdown Cup and Summer Showdown. Uh, but if you didn't want the, uh, the hero pulls, you'd bid it for the entire season. So it was either take all of it and like keep the same status quo or mm. remove all hero pulls. And obviously, based on history, we know they kept it because it was. I think the discussion took place reasonably close to you know, when June Joust might be starting, because it wasn't that big of a gap between the tournament cycles. so There wasn't a lot of time to just sit on it and think it needed to be a pretty swift decision. And uh, they went with keeping it because it was just, it was likely easier to just stick with the status quo than shake things up too much. It was also, by the way, a big risk to shake things up because you know, maybe in May Melee the the meta is good, but then you get to June Joust and suddenly teams are a bit more rigid. They're like, no, we're going to stick to this instead. And by the end of the year, teams basically just play We We discovered that Tracer Sombra was the ideal meta. Mm. Uh, I would argue that we still had a diverse meta simply because the NA teams wanted to play some Ryan. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for that, then we would have had a pretty um homogenous kind of meta. But back to the question at point. In an ideal world, we don't need bans at all. Um, but if we are going to have bans, I would still prefer the teams to be doing that rather than the League. Fair
3: play. Yiska, any... uh. Any looks there? Picks, bands? Um, I think
2: the problem is what kind of pick and bands we would see, right? Theoretically, mm-hmm. I have nothing against like adding agency towards the team's own destiny. So the problem is like the way it probably generally is thought of, it would happen shortly before the game. And that adds so much vol- volatility to how Overwatch is played, that I'm not a big fan of it. Now, I am also an admirer of more refined play, of more like rehearsed play, so that would be completely gone, right? Like, you cannot physically practice and rehearse the amount of compositions that you would need to without knowing which heroes the opponent would ban, right? Another downside is, is do I actually not want to see Fearless on Winston? Is that something I like? Because that would have been a must ban, right? Like, even in the time when it's was viable. Oh, for sure. Viable. Yeah. Do Do I enjoy the experience of watching a team not play the best what they're the best at? Right. Yeah. Um. Which other team is it like that? Do I?
3: And, like, you know, uh, Wrecking. Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
2: sure. Yeah,
3: yeah. something that's like that. Perma ban. Yeah,
2: that's permaban. I mean, you would have argued like even even for like people that don't care about too much about the, the top end competitiveness, we would have never seen the Chengdu of season three uh mm. that we saw. Or season two, right, for that matter. Um uh, more so season two. Um like if you ban ball, a ar- arming never becomes a meme. Right. Um so yeah. it's it shuts down some cool storylines in that, especially in teams that have unique um in unique takes on the meta i think like for against atlanta you'd just ban ryan right um and then maybe they would pr- play orisa to be fair uh, i'm not sure Kato is too bothered by that i think we'd mm-hmm. f- see way less uh diva potentially depending on what kind of a ban system you had. let's say you uh, allow one ban for each role whatever um maybe. yeah i think like the problem is it's such a blanket statement to say, like, let's allow teams to ban. Mm-hmm. I like the idea. I think most, what most people mean when they say that is, like, a ban of three to six heroes shortly before the game starts, and then everyone gets on the server and plays. And I'm yeah. not a big fan of that, though I could see uh, systems, let's say, you make the bans the week beforehand... So like after each each match day you look at which matchups are coming up next week and then you allow mm. the teams to ban uh, for regular season matches and then for the playoff matches where like you're playing several matches on a day that aren't predictable you just don't have them ban and everyone plays okay. their best game something like that could work I'd like that more than okay let's mm. uh let's not know what kind of overwatch we're going to play yeah. uh, on any given day right so yeah. um but yeah, I think that question almost certainly has to be answered in the with the idea of what kind of bans you're thinking about, uh, as opposed to hero pools.
3: Agree, mm. agree. I will. Okay. I will
2: just uh,
1: add on to that. Say like the the pros of banning would have been, and this is a very circumstantial uh, perspective, is we we could have prevented the goat situation from happening if we did have bans. Yeah. So, you know, yes. I. During GOAT's era, I would have loved to have a band system where like, okay, sure. We I don't know what the game is gonna be every single game, but fuck it, that's better than watching GOATs, which is a little revisionist because <laughs> at that time, had we done the bands hypothetically, we wouldn't have known the evil that is goats. Yeah. So you can't you can't like praise the tool that gets you away from the evil without even knowing what it was in the first place. Do you know what I mean? True. So yeah. you can't yeah. be too revisionist about it, but yeah, it, If I'm I'm allowed to be at least slightly revisionist about it, then yeah, we would have prevented ghosts had we had bans. But I don't think Mm. Overwatch as a game is a game that is suited for bans. I like to imagine that whatever you do in your esport should be replicatable in your competitive queue. And I don't think you could do bans at all in your competitive queue. And if you can't do it there, it feels difficult to justify in your competitive game because ideally... The competitive game you play at home in your own game client in the ranked is identical to the game that you actually see in the, in the eSport. That, that's basically what it is for every successful eSport, right? They, they, you're playing the exact same game. Um, and if you're not, and I don't mean like, you're not obviously not sitting in ranked in a best of three or anything like that. I just mean like in a moment-to-moment kind of fashion, um, which is why in League of Legends, you play ranked, there are picks and bands. Exact in the exact same fashion as you would get in uh, in in a professional match because that's that's what that competitive game is now now is and if you were to introduce like bans properly into Overwatch like this is now going to be a competitive feature you're going to have to rethink your entire hero design philosophy to match that because you're going to now need here's the the problem is like you have so many unique heroes in Overwatch if you ban away. Mm mercy there's no other hero like mercy in the whole game yeah so you you're gonna need to have a little bit more loose design territory when it comes to repeating things that exist in the game like you know we're gonna have we're gonna make another hero that's maybe slightly similar ish to lucio that's not lucio because if you have bands in this game i mean you get rid of something like lucio but you literally do not have another hero like that in the entire game it's gone whereas you have a game like League of Legends, 140 fucking champions, you ban 10 of them total for mm. a game, 130 of them are still available. Even if you ban something that is pretty important in a meta, there's a secondary champion available that maybe roughly fills Kinda the same role and the... can do similar similar things, but you haven't lost out big time. So mm. the example of this is to address something that Yusuke said is like, do you really want to see a world where you just permaban Lipsombra and Fearless as Winston? Well, in a game like League of Legends, where you well, that does happen, well, the next best hero, or the next best champion, is still pretty good. You're you're getting like a Winston-ish clone or a Sombra-ish clone mm. that is not exactly that hero, but is close enough that you're still kind of getting that experience so you're not losing out too much, is, mm. is the way I'll describe it.
3: Well said, well said. I tend to agree. Here's another fun one as we kind of wrap up, a little quick one to kind of chew on. Uh we'll go to Yiska with this. Uh, from our pal Fish Ghost from Discord. Mm. Uh they ask, What does the league look like if Huck didn't go with Krusty in season one? Does any other GM pick him up? Does he get a shot later? Does he prove himself if he comes in as an assistant coach? Get off the fence. Does Krusty make a name? If not for the season one miracle run. Ooh. Yes. Eventually, yes. Okay. I'm not
2: sure if that's happens in season one. Okay. Um, but
3: it, I so think in your it, mind, maybe he doesn't doesn't enter season one, but maybe somehow yeah. works his way in season. I two? mean,
2: if you if you look at which other coaches were eventually picked up, mm-hmm. like teams. Wait, it was Foxes, right? I'm remembering yes. correctly. Yes. Team like coaches from teams of the level of Foxes were definitely recruited into the Overwatch League eventually. So I mm-hmm. think the fact that they got Krusty probably speaks to their scouting ability and also pro- probably that like other teams passed on uh, on Krusty. But eventually, like, not least if Krusty gets to coach Foxes for another year, they're probably also going to be doing very well in well contenders. Mm. Um and they probably uh that, that he just probably makes a name for himself there and then gets in I don't think he gets to like immediately win the Overwatch League in season 2 then that's probably not the case no. No. but um, I also don't know too much about the way he was recruited it's theoretically possible that like Boston Uprising was just very early in the process of signing Krusty just wanted for sure to be signed somewhere and then he just signed with boston and then er- everyone else signed their coach and let's also not be like like kid ourselves there was a lot of uh churn and like turnover in-, in season one in the coaching staff right like there are not that many coaches around from that were there in season one right like i'm thinking even the head coaches like you know like kirby was there like um okay so i, I said a lot but not a lot come I don't know why I'm thinking of Hayes, even though it's the same team. Um, like, uh, da, 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 da. who who else was? Ah, oh, what's? Uh, later ended up on Hangzhou, uh, it's Guangzhou. Sorry, uh, it's uh, yeah. now an agent. No, uh, uh British guy, I think.
3: Um, 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 are you talking about like, um, cuddles? Cuddles, yes. I I think
2: people don't even remember, but I think Cuddles was head coach of Valiant, I think, in the very beginning. Yes, for like a week. Yeah, I mean, there's always like uh, slots there, right? That were Mm. And and let's be honest, like Moon wasn't actually... Like the fact that Moon was recruited probably speaks towards the theory that maybe Krusty could have even come in in season one uh, Mm. at a later point because Moon was not necessarily more decorated or highly esteemed coach than Krusty was at that time, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think, like, long story short, I think he eventually just makes it to greatness again, probably either in season one or season two, but yes, it would have slowed down probably the process because I assume that he was paid less, uh, sorry, sorry, was like Less contested than other coaches at the time, hence why he ended up on the Boston Uprising. but I could be wrong, and maybe Huck was just like very early to him.
1: It's really hard to say. Like, I don't even, I don't know what Krusty stocks were like going into season one, uh, and how many teams were interested. I I can fully agree though that he would have eventually made it, because to make it into the league, especially nowadays, you just, you need. Well, I mean from season two to season four you need some modicum of success in tier two and that's usually enough you don't even have to be the best coach on the best team plenty of coaches like you know especially based on what you said like around foxes eventually made it and there's a big shuffle that happened after season one where every single team kind of realized like damn dude we got a lot of useless coaches in this league what's going on here every i think a lot of teams misfired on their coaching stuff uh misfired being like they the trigger on the wrong people to start with. And they had to eventually rehire so many different people. And we've finally gone to a place now where in the last two years of the Overwatch League, I think it's pretty solid in terms of every single team. Every single team has pretty good coaching staff or has had pretty good coaching staff. That's debatable for some teams. You could sure. probably say if you, if you hate a specific team that failed, you could you could say that Boston in their, in their bad year had bad staff. You could say mm. that Seoul last year, blah, 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 blah. blah. But the point is... Even then, that compared to season one is like such a huge improvement. Even if you think so and so team weren't good in the last three years, mm. um, so Krusty would have made it as long as he stuck by his, stuck to his guns, and didn't give up and just didn't retire. Uh, he would have eventually made it, and I feel so. Um, yeah, Yesker is right that he wouldn't have won season two. Maybe the shock, that entire shock thing between season two and season three that mini dynasty wouldn't have happened. Mm. but Krusty would have been there. It's hard to say if he would have been as dominant because his pathway could have been different. He could have come in and and been an assistant coach first, would have had to make his way up slowly to get to the head coach. Really difficult to say. Um, You know, how much control is this guy allowed? Uh, How much do teams trust him? That is quite difficult because you you don't have the situation where, you know, he he gets to capture lightning in a bottle for stage three of Boston and then transfer that onto Shock for a back-to-back win, you know. That very much defined his career and his career trajectory would have been very different if he did not get that opportunity with Boston.
3: Mm. All right. Hopefully that answers your guys' questions. Um, If you would like your question answered, if that kind of spurred a, a burning seed in your little... Little comment brain uh let us know yeah. by coming over to patreon.com slash tactical crouch yeah. dropping a little again it can be any level of patronage no jumping over to discord drop a line i we will get to it eventually i promise
1: Yeah, bring bring your small comment brains as joe said
3: bring them over Those we love them
1: tiny comment brains sometimes
3: they're big comment brains i have lots of questions in here that are fucking huge brain mm-hmm. that we just have to carve out the time Why? to actually get to
1: as we're as we're finishing up for the episode and and uh, you know getting to the ultra here, do any of your undisclosed commentary brain sizes uh, have anything else to comment on for things we talked about today or things you're looking forward to for next week? I'm looking forward to the next attack on Titan, but we don't have to go back there. You know, we can talk about Overwatch if you want. Um, um,
3: I'm kind of hoping like whatever this news is, we get a little bit of it. I, I don't think know. I think we're getting bombs. By the time we're recording, we probably
2: have bombs. You think we're getting? Bombs? I think so. Um, I think so. Theoretically speaking, right? I, I mean, hope, sure, theoretically, but
1: I hope they release this news before our recording. Then, mm-hmm. because if it's, cool. if it's after, I'll be sad.
2: By the way, okay, so uh, just for this not to be clipped out of context, I don't know much more than you guys do. Um, it's just like a pattern in how they release information that coincides, the stars align onto next time we record, and I think uh, there's a, there's a certain, certain likelihood that we'll get it then, and there's also incentive for them to have that information out there, so I wouldn't know why it would be any later unless it virtually wasn't done yet. I think the way Blizzard has communicated their information, something is is going to pop up um, now. Whether those bombs are Overwatch related, I don't know. Um, that it could be any other Blizzard product, um, but we'll see.
1: Okay, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I, I really. He did. He did specifically say Overwatch. That was named as part of whatever that announcement was that they had. Wow.
3: Coming yeah. up soon. So, uh, I
1: said Warcraft, and say wow, but you, we can just assume it will be wow. But in any case, unless
3: they're announcing Warcraft four, uh, I don't know what else it could be. I guess.
1: <laughs> um, exciting news! Really excited. Are we getting a BlizzCon line, or has that been canned? It's canned.
3: I think that was canned, canned. and they yeah, tried. Canned. They're they're talking about like reimagining it. Oh, so
1: and... the reason why I ask is because if we're not getting a BlizzCon line. I imagine there would be, there probably would have been some announcements. They would have been planning for a BlizzCon line had it been coming this year. Yes. Uh, but if it's not here, then I mean, we we we're gonna get some announcements somewhere. I mean, we just got told about a new survival game, I and mean, they they would have saved that for BlizzCon line had yeah. we had one, right? So, um, Eric is saying last year's BlizzCon line was February ninth. So I mean, we're getting close to around that date. So yeah, it feels like we're on the so- precipice of getting some drops. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there are some big ones, according to Yeska. Uh, you know that that sounds pretty cool. If it does I mean, come okay, truth, so let, let's literally. just say
2: that the the pattern is that every first Tuesday uh, of the quarter, like last, it's three months ago, we got the last pretty bad yeah. message. If you guys recall, mm-hmm. that's likely to happen next Tuesday. So that's that's my reading of this this is i think okay. like based on how they communicated i think well we'll def we'll probably find something out though to be fair they, there's nothing really holding them to that pattern and they have probably a good argument given the acquisition or impending acquisition that um this might be delayed but we'll see right well i mean we'll find out next week
1: worst comes the worst i'll say the magic words again uh we're going to have nothing to talk about next week, so we'll have a 30-minute episode talking about only anime, and that will be it for next week. Summoning but for us. now, I'm summoning that that reality. But for now, 2.11 uh, done and dusted. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. Actually had some reasonable Overwatch stuff to talk about this week, and with any luck, we'll have more than reasonable Overwatch stuff to talk about next week for 2.12, but we'll see you then next week. Peace out. Thank you very much.